your time, folks. Hmm. I feel like we should have one of our daughters in the background for the whole show. <laughs> That's a thing that people are doing now, and it really adds a lot to the episode. Mm. It's really hard to do. I mean, it's hard to have a kid in the house when you're trying to do anything. They got to be in the room. We're talking about the uh, most recent episode of Roderick Online in which uh, John Roderick's daughter was not only in the house, but seemingly in the room or just outside the room for the entirety of the episode, which added an incredible amount of tension given the language and topics that come up on that show, knowing that there is a young child who's also his daughter within earshot. Yeah, my thoughts exactly. And um, I, I think it was amazing. I mean, you could really only at one point she identified that something was smelly. Is that the phrase she used? Stink bugs. Stink bugs. Stink bugs stink. Stink bugs Nailed stink. it. Mm. <laughs> One and done. Yeah. He just he he just can't seem to keep his mic plugged in, can he? <laughs> it's a good that you didn't get frustrated though. Uh, I had a call with my friend who's a famous internet musician who wants to do podcast stuff. And I was giving him the rundown on the basics of, you know, the um the simple kind of John and Merlin call where you use call recorder. The Jason Snell call where you do, you know, the multi-ender. And it was just kind of, you know, it was a chance for me to vent a little bit. I, I, you know, uh, tell the person to plug in their Ethernet. There's nothing simple about our calls, Mark. <laughs> also, how many internet music friends do you have? I'm trying to narrow this down to like three possible people. I mean... You don't, don't want to reveal. You don't want to reveal too much by saying internet music. Well, no, music it sounds star effery, and it's not. He's not. You know, he's like a, he's an internet musician. <laughs> that ship has sailed, Mister. Just me. Just the name. You're the one who introduced that word, not me. You did that. I know. I'm just saying. Like, what are you worried about? It's my friend Jim, who plays ukulele, and he's very, very talented. Uh huh. And he's a really, really great guy. And I, I was, I was thrilled to have the chance to visit with him on the phone, which is something. I can only say for maybe 108 people in the entire world. And he wants to get into podcasts, so you're sort of uh, telling him. I don't him. want to give his game away. All right, all right. But uh, yeah, he's, he's you know working on a thing. But, you know, this is the nice thing about being able to help somebody out. There's so few things that I uh, understand <laughs> at all. And there's just a couple things that I mostly understand. And I, I really honestly love the opportunity to help somebody. How do I describe this? I feel like one of the best things you can do for people is take something that seems almost impossibly large, nebulous, and endless, complicated, and like help just identify, well, there's really like a few factors unless you really want to get involved. You know what I mean? You know that feeling? It's like, it's just a good feeling to be able to say like, nah, it's not as confusing as it seems, unless you want it to be confusing. There's an easy way to do this. And that's always a nice thing. Back to the HTML days, it was always nice to like be able to like say to somebody, this is not as hard as it seems, unless you want it to be. Sounds like uh, going back to the glory days when we could show people how to, uh, you know, eat their own food and walk and talk. Ugh. That was the stuff, right? Mm. Just super experts in getting food into our mouths. Mm-hmm. We could show them. They'd be like, well, they, uh, let's let's be honest. They weren't grateful. But yeah. still, we felt felt like we were the experts. We walk upright all I the know. time. I know. Two feet, uh, just on two feet. We don't even use our hands. Don't even need them. Leave them aside. Today, my daughter uh, made a very, very, very large roller coaster in Minecraft and then cats started riding on it. Just cats. She takes an, you take an ocelot, you tame the ocelot, the ocelot mm-hmm. turns into a cat and then you can get a leash for the cat and uh, you, you can uh, tie it to a post. She made an aquarium in the sky. It's mind blowing. Mind blowing. 
But you're right. You know, I'm not that helpful to that many people. There's, you know, I, I feel really fortunate. There's so many things that other people so far, that other people are more worked up about, about getting old, uh, that I'm not as worked up about. I, I mean, I have constant anxiety about everything, but uh, I don't know. It's kind of nice to not be relevant. It's kind of a relief. You know what I mean? There's a lot of pressure in having to be relevant. I, I never, I never felt relevant, so I feel. But I do uh, empathize with you, who uh, my interpretation did once feel relevant and had to had to leave that behind. Thank you. That's, that's nice of you to <laughs> sympathize with me on that. There's a, there's a bunch of articles going around about the way that uh, the millenniums spend money. You know, like how they like Chick Fil A now. I'm not. I don't know if I'm going to let that on this show. Okay, sorry. The way that young people do in don't choose to spend their cash dollars. You can say millennials if you would like. I'm not going to do that. It's millenni- terrible. Millenniums, I feel like uh, I feel I feel like it belongs Ugh. on on Roderick Online. But moreover, every time you say it, yeah. of all the things you do, like why should that one bother me? When you I do say this it all on the, the pod, time. you mean? Yeah, yeah, right. But like of all the things, there's a million of me. For some reason, millennials bothers me. Oh, how interesting! Know, I, well, if if it suits you, I'd love to hear more of them. If you want to think for a minute, no, like I, all the other ones I'm on board with. That's what yeah. I'm saying. This is weird. It's like one of these things is not like the others. Mm. This night's different from all others. Although I, I don't envy the feedback you will get on that segment. But anyway, it's another show. Which segment? About how uh, millennials want stay-at-home uh, wives, millennial uh, men. You know, retweets are not endorsements. We're just saying what we heard. I heard it on a uh, on a lady's podcast, the I podcast for ladies. I thought, like, the podcast you listen to, since you listen to so many of these podcasts, I thought that podcast would be all of the debu- debunking stuff. But no, it was just like it was uh, it was accepted as a premise and then uh, used as a launching point for a conversation. All right, fine. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the good cop. What, what, did, I, what did I do wrong? The only thing I heard about that study was how it was BS. Okay, tell me, tell me what you heard. The, the, the methodology and sample size were not representative of anything, and that if you slice and dice the data in different ways, it shows n- not what you think it's showing. A typical turn, just a, a typical one level turns out. That's one level it. turns out. That's or the worst kind. maybe it's a two level turns out. I can't tell. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of like, uh, like a double negative or something. Like if it if it's turns out, it's already got a, an implicit. Yeah, the one, turns, you get one turns out for free. It's built in. <laughs> And then the second turns out is the real turns out because the first one is like, well, obviously there's the turns out because otherwise right. why are we even talking about this? But then the second one is the real first turns out. But if you can get to, if you get to three, you get a full Jonah Lair. They call or it maybe, a hat maybe trick. It's just, it's just zero indexed. Maybe is that a know. triple double, John? What's a triple double? Is that a sex thing or is that a baseballs? What <laughs> it's is what basketball? Is... Okay, and that means you got double digits in scorebacks and and jump balls and touchdowns. Yeah, and right. touch touchbacks. Okay, all right. Oh God, we're so deep in the stack. I thought it was okay. So now you're probably going to shoot this other one down too. It was in the Atlantic, which has not been blocking my ad blocker. I'm, I feel kind of put off. I thought that they were going to block my ad blocker, but oh, I'm still getting like in. shame you every time you go there and say we notice you're you're running an ad blocker. Why don't you love us? Oh yeah, I, I haven't seen Forbes. Thank God, I haven't seen Forbes in like a year. <laughs> Thought of the day: It takes a heap of living to make a house a home. Your page will load soon. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Thank you, thank you, Doctor Forbes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just I heard I heard it said that some study said that the millennial the young people are <laughs> you can't even do it anymore. It's millennial is a terrible word and no one should use it. It's virtually is spotless. It better than, is it better than Gen X, really? It's not, you know. Gen X had a meaning. I've heard people say like people born in the eighties are millennials. I think it's part of the uh what like decreasing monoculture that we've talked about yeah. as uh, as things fragment that y- can you really come up with one name for a generation? You're just going to do it based on, on birth years, and then that's that? Like, what unifies these it's people? It's so stupid. I'm very close to the cusp. 
I mean, I'm technically a Gen Xer, but I'm also within a couple, three years of technically being a baby boomer. It's it's really weird. So what? What does that you're, say? You're about really me? old. I know. Yeah, I mean, it's better than being dead. Yeah. Don't turn. In, don't most, turn. In, most don't, of the time, don't turn into Dan. Oh man, boy, you're tough on it. Oh, you know what it is? Okay, <laughs> I know. I know. There is no schedule. It's uh, as we record this. It is uh, diggity April eleventh, which means it's the other alternate week. This is the this is my uh, week in the barrel. <laughs> if you wanted to be on the show where I was nice to you, you should have <laughs> skyped show me notes last anymore. week. You can't do the same bit. You got to let it go. I so rarely make even an attempt at that, so I feel like I'm, you know, yeah, my timer just reset. Oh, okay. So in effect, you kind of just have just called in for the right show. Wait, I can't do the date math on this. Okay. So anyway, uh, they eat more Chick-fil-A and they don't buy buy whatever Aeropostale is. Is that that uh, store in the mall that smells? What? Malva? Is that that store in the mall that smells? Oh. Oh, the that's The one that has like the uh... smell machines. Aerocrombie? No, is that Aerocrombie? I bet it's the one, yeah, Abercrombie. And supposedly they're trying to move away from the mook image. But uh, yeah, you get Annie's pretzels. Annie's pretzels smells a lot like a baby's diaper. Yeah, but they come by the smell. Honestly, no. I feel like this the smell yes. in, those other, in the clothing stores are there's the machine in the back that you pour some kind of liquid into <laughs> that produces the smell. And like, talk about you know, I, I think I mentioned my my first job as a retail job and the the parts that you know. Oh, it's Sally slowly, Sally's slowly, Dressborn. What was it called? Yeah, close enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mandy. Mandy. No, no, no plural, no possessive. But imagine working in a retail store mm-hmm. that intentionally adds uh, an artificial smell. Like I know fast food workers probably like the smell of grease and everything like becomes a thing and gets in your clothes and stuff. But but at least like that's part of the thing that they're doing, which is cooking food. Yeah. This is like, no, the store would be fine. Like it's just clothes. They don't smell. But we have a machine that, by the way, you must maintain. Right. That produces this terrible smell that you will like it will permeate every fiber of your being <laughs> until I assume you go insane. <laughs> one imagines that's a hell of a resume builder well i see here that you are re- refilled the smell machine so they, they, they smell you coming a mile away you're like oh i used to work at abercrombie or whatever oh yeah you know like everything i, I had to i had to burn everything i owned and move to a different state and shave all my body hair but now i don't smell like the store <laughs> you anymore to be denuded you smell like a foosball table at a frat yeah, it was like i had to go through a silkwood shower and uh now every cell in my body is new but at least that smell is gone <laughs> i like this week i like you this week um, so there was that. I don't know what I was talking about. Pop, yeah. just, just keep, pop your way all the way back up. Just like, go to the notes. The notes will save you. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, for, for people who like uh, Apple computers, you guys really don't like Apple computers. That's not true at all. Yeah. I stole a copy of the upcoming episode because I figured it would be hiding. I saw you as the one download on my little chart. One. Oh, it might've been three downloads because I was having trouble trying to do it on. I still, my thing still just has one, I think. Yeah. Poor Casey. What what does Casey like to talk about? I mean, cars. Uh, what did you hear? Did you hear the bit about him driving his dad's Dodge Dart? Uh, I don't think I did. I'm I'm at what am I at? I'm at a chapter marker toward the end. I don't remember the Dodge Dart. It, part. it might be at the end of that episode. You'll get to it eventually. Okay. Um. Any other follow up about podcasts? That's it, right? No, we have uh we have actual follow. We have actual ample follow up. Okay, oh, I see. Two two downloads I see now. Yeah, well, one, one one of them was abortive. If you'll pardon my French. All right. Okay. Do you want to start with the top one? I guess I'm guessing. Yes. Right? Yes, that's why I put it there. Okay, so it's not a spoiler smot. But there is no such thing as spoilers for this, which is what a twenty or thirty year old Broadway play. 
The album came out in 1980. I think it hit Broadway in 87. We're talking about Les Miserables, which you have listened to 870,000 times by your own account. Mm -hmm. And I'm just here to tell you, in the super secret private Dubai Friday message group, stuff blew up when I when I mentioned this. We're, we're very excited about the fact that you have watched this movie because I cannot wait to hear what you have to say about it. John has listened to the Les Mis soundtrack many times. He has he has uh, the uh, cut out the audio of Catwoman singing her dream song and has heard it. But John has never sat down and watched Les Mis, the, uh, the movie with Wolverine. Or the play. In any form. You've never seen... Yeah, that's what I was trying to get at the last time. Like, so I've your literally... visual for this is like still images. Yeah, I've got the cover of the CD or, or tape, or I think it might have been a tape that my parents bought. It was my parents saw it on Broadway and raved about it. Wow. And bought the soundtrack, which is why I came to hear it so many times, right? And I have, I think I have a couple CDs and my wife has the CDs and, and then eventually it's in your iTunes collection and in rotation, mm-hmm. but never... Never have I seen the play or like I more or less knew the story from the songs because it's all kind of there. But people who who love this, who love Les Mis are probably cringing at the idea that like literally the first time I ever see the actual thing played out is this movie and not watching it on stage or something. But I have to say, I imagine that there was a lot more to the story. I don't know why I imagine that because it's a musical and surely everything that they sing is on the on the thing. And it is. But I imagined a lot more interconnected tissue, like this larger world and saga, mm-hmm. and these were just so- songs punctuating it. I don't know why I thought this. Rather than what the movie show, which I assume is the same thing as the play show, which is like, no, it's like the songs one after the other. That's the whole story. And yeah. then, you know, there's visuals and staging surrounding it that may make things make more sense, but it's pretty much it. So years and years of listening to it and enjoying it. When I was starting to nerd out about this and I was telling you about it, you were sending me tracks that were the way you were. I felt like what you were saying was like, this is not only like, I, I really like this song. I really like this performance. I like this particular recording of this particular, like very specific, you know, enough to know many different things about the performance of the, uh, performances of this that you particularly enjoy. Like you're in some ways kind of a little bit of a super fan of the music. I'm just a medium fan. Like it's just a straight okay. up fan, but I do have my, I do have my favorites because this, because it's, a, it was, you know, it was a, a play for so long and traveled the world and all sorts of different casts and different languages. And then they have the compilation ones and then the things where they just sing the songs and don't even bother doing the play anymore because people love the music so much. And then, you know, all that stuff that we've all seen on YouTube because of such an incredible variety, I eventually came to have strong opinions about which versions of my favorite songs that I like. And some of them, you know, there are lots of good versions, but the few I sent you were like, I feel like this, one of them was the song that you had strong feelings about. And I said, this is my favorite version of that. But really, this other song, I feel like every other version pales in comparison. This is my one standout favorite version. But, you know, yeah, I have I have my favorite. It, it was a really good version of On My Own. Yeah, and I, like that song in particular, I don't know what's missing from literally every other version that I've heard, which on paper seem like they're fine. Here's the thing. Often versions sung by the exact same person, like from the same cast, the, the literal same person. It's just like whatever this night was. Uh, she just nailed it, and that mm-hmm. was, you know. Anyway, it had a lot of it had a lot of color and nuance, and it was very I don't want to overintellectualize it, but there was nothing. It really felt like a very rounded, nuanced performance. Yeah, well, I mean, like it's theatery stuff. Like some may many people may find it to be like too much emotion and over the top, but I feel like that's appropriate when you're on stage in front of people. Did you ever identify precisely what that was from? Do you do you, do you know? 
which no, I remember edition? I said like I had it was identified by iTunes matches two different things. It was in Japanese, and, and I, I tried to look it up on do scan it with Music Brains, and I it was what it was coming up with was not what it was. Yeah, I know. I, one of one of my two copies of this in my collection is the correct. Let me just give it another try and look it up here. Let's say that it is probably Les Mis Complete Symphonic Recording. If you were to go back in time and buy that CD, that this would be the one. Unfortunately, iTunes also thinks it's Les Mis Highlights International Cast Recording, mm-hmm. which it may also be on that thing. And I'm pretty sure the singer is a first name that I can't pronounce. K-A-H-O. Yeah. Shimada. Yes. That's that's who, that's who I think is singing it. Okay. Um, but yeah, oh. like this is all, and, and this is one of the tracks that is actually from that very first version of whatever it was that my parents bought. A lot of other ones I've branched out and since found other versions that I like better. But. So with all that said, what finally moved you to undertake uh, watching the movie? Well, when I saw they were making the movie... Uh, and I saw the trailer, which I, I liked. And like I said, I pulled the music from it. I said, well, this is this is my chance. I never got to see it uh, when it was, you know, playing on Broadway. And, you know, I missed my window for that. But here they're making a movie out of it. And I like some of these people in this movie. So I finally get to see it. And, you know, I was kind of excited for it. But then when it came out, all the reviews slammed it. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I shouldn't even bother to see this. And I didn't bother to see it because nobody liked the movie. And you didn't you didn't want to ruin it. Eh, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, it takes a lot for me to... Certainly, I wasn't going to see it in a theater. And then by the time, like, you know, it came out on video, as we used to say, when we were younger men, um, <laughs> that, that it just, you know, there's too many other things that just slipped my mind. It wasn't a big deal. But then you got uh, uh, semi-obsessed with it somehow. I don't even know how what, what your origin story is for this movie at this time, because this is not a new movie. It's, it's pretty old. Um, and then you uh, suggested that I do it, uh, see it. So I did. Mostly as an object lesson to show how, you know, this can be done. Like if someone suggests that you see something, you, then you go and actually see it, uh, you know, from beginning to end and come on the podcast and talk about it. Okay. You mean you watch it like pretty much There's all the way through. There's too many to even list. You don't even know which one to go for. <laughs> I know. I know. It's a bit. Um, all the way through, though, you think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's key. Don't, don't second guess my bits. It sickens me. <laughs> no, you were slow on the trigger. I'm just saying like you're, you're stumbling oh over your God. own, your own, uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh my god! <laughs> yes, I've seen the usual suspects. Do you want me to only say honest things on this show from now on? Do you know how, how gross that would be? Ugh. And it, would it would it be gross? I don't know. We talked about bits, and nobody's even listening. That's it's it's fine. It's fine. Ugh. But anyway, Malayne so you Mack did it. You sat down. And you, you so you got off the iTunes. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched it, and well. I think I see why people gave it the reviews that they gave it because I did read the reviews. I didn't just look, oh, it's got like a bad rating. I won't bother. I did like I read what was wrong with it and I understand what they're saying. It's difficult for me to tell if the if the movie is actually as awful as everybody says uh, or if it's just this other thing, which is definitely real, which is having listened to the music for so long, especially particular versions of it, it's very difficult for anything else to come along there's too much precedent. It, whatever comes along won't match my expectations. And overall, I felt like all the performances in this movie were, and this may sound weird because most people complain about the opposite, understated compared to the performances that I like. Oh, very. I mean, no, that was a big complaint. 
uh, was that they weren't holding the notes. It wasn't loud enough that Wolverine would sometimes mutter into this kind of like Morrissey voice and it wasn't exactly singing. And Gladiator, man. Russell Crowe. Like, I don't know what he's doing in this the, in this movie because, I mean, acting-wise, fine, but singing-wise, he's not he's not getting the job done. I don't want to say like the, the, the leads in this movie were movie stars first and singers second, and they're just not up to snuff. Wolverine's daughter, I had problems with Wolverine. The only one who I really, I'm, with all due respect, I love this actress. She was great in Mean Girls. But I I don't think Wolverine's daughter was quite up to it. What's that actress's name? I don't want to say. Amanda Seyfried? Oh, yeah. No, let's, yeah. All of them, though, I feel like the she's more got, famous got, they she's are. she ESPN. <laughs> yeah. The, the more famous they are, the farther away they were from ever being able to, they would never pass the audition to do any version of this show on stage, but they're in the movie because they're movie stars. And, and that can be fine. Like, I'm, you know, maybe I would have enjoyed it more if I didn't hear it in like in the back of my head here. No, no, this is how, this is how it's supposed to sound. This is what I'm hearing in my head. And what you're doing is a different thing, which may be okay, but it's not what I expect from it and it varied from from number to number because some numbers work better in that more restrained form and the, the thing that other people complained about is the thing that you were talking about with uh Anne hathaway doing her thing and being wretched that's that's an interesting choice for the performance it definitely changes the song and i you know when i was talking about the trailer you're like oh wait till you see the movie it's even more wretched you're right it was like it is, it was more pitiful and wretched. I but I like the vocal performance in the trailer better than the one in the movie. It's different. It is. It is a different performance that they use in the trailer. It's more restrained. Yeah, uh, or like more more musical. Well, there's it. It sounds. The story goes that all of the music, for better or for worse, the decision was made by the director that these performances would be live on set, with mics recording them on the day. Yeah, you could tell that in the movie. I, I didn't note that. Yeah. And that, you know, it was a very, you know, very difficult scene, but that, um, yeah. So I, you know, I think you're, I think you're right. It's a, it's a different version. So, hmm. Okay. Well, you know, and as I drill down on this, and I feel bad because I am heavily repeating a lot of stuff here that we, I've talked about on another show, but I, I, the further back you go, the more you hear, like if you watch those live stage performances with like, um, oh, who's my main man? Uh, Clive Wilkinson. Is that his name? The, the 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 famous uh, Valjean, something like that. That guy, but like there's, when you hear like them, when they do One Day More, they're holding the, it sounds like really silly to even bring this up, but the way they hold the notes and how long they hold the notes has a really kind of like chilling effect. There's even more of the sense of the voices going over each other and being these different, it isn't like you stop and then let the next person sing their part. There's a little bit more of a kind of, fading out while you hold the note. And there are some scenes, especially with Wolverine, where like they they seem timid or they seem embarrassed. They seem embarrassed to be in a sung through musical. I know that's probably not the case. I, I imagine it was a direction from the, uh, like a reading from the director, but there's some, there's some scenes where there's some scenes where he's just walking around and he's kind of muttering to himself, you know, pack a bag, we've got to go. There's some talking. Like there's a couple lines in the movie that are just not sung at all. They're just spoken. That are but they're a part of song lyrics, which again is so, so clearly a choice. They're saying, I'm not going to sing this section. I'm going to speak sing this part, and I'm literally going to speak this line. Yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, well, if that was your favorite part of the song, sorry about that. Hmm. So you think it's the the talent, the, sorry, wrong, bad choice of words, that the actors and actresses who were doing the singing, first of all, they wouldn't be there unless they'd been movie stars, and they weren't really up to the task by and large. 
pretty much everybody. They they couldn't match the performance of the stage singers. It's mm-hmm. not as if the of them did a bad job singing, except for maybe Russell Crowe. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah. See, I'm again. I'm, I'm the wrong person to ask because I am. I can sit here and honestly tell you that this is a terrible movie that almost no one should watch. That I really, really love, and it's not ironic. It's I genuinely really like this movie, even as I know I understand every reason why people don't like it. But like Eponine uh, had been in the touring company, and I, I, you don't think that she was pretty terrific? So I'm putting words in your mouth here, but you didn't think her on my own was good. Yeah, so it's tough. It's tough because that's like my favorite song from the whole thing. And I have my very favorite version. And this one wasn't as good. But when she did sing it, I'm like, she did an okay job. Like you could tell that she could sing and that she her performance of that song was on par, I feel, with a lot of other stage performances. She just she chose to emphasize different parts and direction wise. Like it's not just direction, but it's how they mix the music behind them. Because mm-hmm. when it when it's a stage thing, you've got the whole, you know, orchestra in the pit or whatever, like that's it's a lot of people playing a lot of instruments. And it's one person singing on the stage. And so the music can't help but be big. And in the versions that I like on, you know, CD and stuff, the music is pretty far out front in the mix. Like it is very heavily emphasized. Yeah. And, and like the stage things like 10th and 25th anniversary ones, it's it gives you shivers. It's it's so huge. Right. I mean, yeah. it's it really fills the arena. And it's very the arrangement seems similar. But in the mix, it is de-emphasized. Maybe it's because you're looking at the actor and you want to see them do the singing, but their voice is farther up front. And I felt like it was she was holding up the rest of that song with her singing when it should be more of a build to a crescendo that that, you know. Anyway, I like that sequence. I like that that actor. Our singing performance was fine. You're right that it did kind of shame Cosette and her stuff a little bit. I thought uh Borat and uh, uh, what's her name? Bellatrix yeah. is strange. Yeah, they're a good pair for a movie. They did not match my conception of those characters from hearing a million different versions of all those songs. Yeah, and it was really gross. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, because there are now visuals, like they don't know if they have to make the wretched look quite so wretched. Man, maybe maybe a little too much visual for my taste. And I, I have yeah. a pretty good stomach for almost anything. And I I thought that was a bit much. But what about Eddie Redmayne? You know, tell me you liked him a little bit. I thought he was awfully good in this. Oh, who? Uh, uh, what's your Marius? Marius, yeah. Um, that's, I just uh, saw him new, in Fantastic Beasts, right? Yeah, Newt's Commander. Yeah, um, he's all right. He's all fine. Right. All right. I, I think I kind of liked his uh, his ill-fated friend a little bit better. Oh, you're kidding. A- a- Actor-wise. He's my least favorite. Was it, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. This is, this is the internet. Angel Ross? He's my least favorite I've ever seen in any production. I, I mean, he doesn't have much singing to do, which is fine, but I felt like the he actor... He doesn't have the charisma. I mean, he, he should be exuding a kind of yeah. D&D style, like big, I want to <laughs> follow this guy charisma. I liked all the, his whole crew of friends. And oh, the drinking Eddie guy's like, fun. Yeah. Anyone seemed like he was a little bit in a different movie there than the rest of that crowd. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Well, you did like, it, you watched the I, don't, whole I don't know why you find the need to revisit it because you're right. It's like it's a lot of unpleasantness on the screen. Like unpleasant things happen and they're filmed in unpleasant ways. Like, I mean, the sewer scene alone, like, fine. They <laughs> they fall in a sewer. Do, yeah. Like, is the sewer a sewer? Do we need to dwell on this? Like the special effects guys just really were overtime with the poop there. There's a certain point, even at the very beginning, when they're doing toward the beginning, whenever they're going through the city and showing all the people on the streets, I almost expected mm-hmm. someone to yell, see the violence inherent in the system. 
It's like yeah, these are the I mean, filthiest, filthy peasants I've ever like seen. Like they, they all have syphilis or herpes or whatever. <laughs> oh, like I know. They, it was like it was like Fury Road, you know. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and, and like, banging on pants. <laughs> yeah, and and Fantine when she's in, you know, down by the docks and everything, everyone there looks on like looks like corpses. Like, yeah. I understand what they're going for. It's just so over the top. Like they're wearing stage makeup, but they're being filmed by, you know, movie cameras instead of, you know, you looking at them from the the cheap seats uh, on a theater stage where they're just a blur and they need to put these, you know. I don't want to make you belabor it. Uh, Thank you for watching it. I don't. I, mean, I don't know why I'm thanking you, but I, I'm. Uh, I say good on you for for watching the whole thing. And okay, what about the ending? Did you did you like the ending? Make me cry. Didn't you think it was kind of a good ending when he goes to heaven? Isn't it kind of nice? Yeah, and he runs his hand over the field of weed. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> no, wrong guy. Sorry, he snapped his spine. Wait a minute. Like Are you talking about that sound effect. It's going to be the last harvest of. Yeah. <laughs> last uh, was okra, right? Okra, last harvest of. Yeah, sure no, but like last. when when uh, when Gladiator pitches himself down, fine. Like it's a dramatic moment, but then they have the sound effects of his like bone snapping Bonk. when he hits half on one side. <laughs> like that's you don't need to do that. That was that's a perfect encapsulation. That and the scene that was zooming in on Wolverine's face to an uncomfortable degree, which could be said is <sighs> the entirety of the movie. But there's one particular scene where he's walking back and forth. It's like okay, like I've seen all of his pores and up his giant nose. Like we get it. We talked about this at length on the Dude by Friday episode uh, where the challenge was to watch this movie and talk about it. But there's a lot of problems with bigness and smallness in this movie. Um, (laughs) Where like, on the one hand, what makes a lot of people love this musical is the pageantry and the bigness. And even something, I love that performance of One Day More, but it's not really quite big enough. But at the same time, then you're getting, so like, you've got this certain bigness of like, you got the barricades and you got the flags and ah, everything's big and we're screaming and we're riding in stagecoaches and everything's crazy. But then at the same time, they'll do these, like you say, zoom in on Wolverine's pores with this bouquet shot, everything. It's like, it's too intimate. It's, it makes me uncomfortable. And then you get a Harry Potter shot where he takes his draft card and tears it up and it turns into a bird. Oh, you get that the, crazy. The CG, the CG was little grim yeah. like i couldn't tell if they were trying to go for a magic realism thing where things are out of scale or it was just a bad cg like are you trying to say that like this is like the little prince where the planet is the size of of uh, you know a big soccer ball and he's walking around that i don't understand how perspective and <laughs> it was like mc escher like it was was not good <laughs> no and no, but it, the pol- it had a hogwarts didn't you think it had a little bit of a hogwarts feeling at some points a hogwarts was at least i think uh reasonably scaled but exaggerated like an amusement park and then but the cg in some of these things was like forced perspective weird hobbit stuff which doesn't make any sense and then i spent a lot of the early part of the movie thinking really hard about whether pulling giant boats in with ropes was a thing that happened (laughs) in real life or something that someone thought would be a cool thing to make up for a movie it's like the french version of breaking big rocks into little rocks it just seems like it's just there to be mean they did have dry docks like where they assembled the boats but then if there was a boat that had a problem why would you pull it back into the dry dock and if you were to pull it back in well how would you pull it back and would you get a bunch of people on ropes but then why is it tilting over is it half filled with water yeah but if it was could it be moved at all no matter how many men like wouldn't the ropes break like surely this is just something that someone had an idea for but like be like (laughs) no why would they do that why wouldn't they look up in a history book what actually happened i kept going back and forth and back and forth (laughs) instead of you know, thinking about what we're going to pick up the big heavy that. flag. Should, that, that, no, that should not be happening. It was the first scene in the movie, and I was like, that yeah. is an interesting engineering problem. How would you <laughs> How would you move a boat that big? Well, it's floating, actually, once you get it moving. You can build like, it somewhere else, I guess. The inertia, like, it seemed like they were bringing it in to fix it, but it just, and they were standing waist deep in water. That doesn't seem efficient. No, OSHA would never allow that. Uh, La OSHA. Uh, real-time follow-up. Um, the name I probably butchered is Colm Wilkinson. And he's the OG. He's like the original uh, English. I think he's the original like West End 
most famous Valjean. And in this movie, turns out, he played the priest. Yeah, yeah. I recognized him from all the YouTube videos. Like, okay. cause I, I haven't seen the stage things, but I've seen the, like, assemble the cast of all the people. And oh, I remember him God. and his chin and his beard. Bonerville. Such bone. Ah, I can't say. Okay, so, so okay. I think I've asked you this, but please tell our audience, what is your favorite recording and what is your favorite production singing production you've seen or heard? Are you a tenth year, ten year anniversary man? Oh, of Les Mis? No, I, I I pick and choose from. If, if I had to pick, like the majority of my tracks that I like are from that complete symphonic recording thing. But there are a couple of, of ones I like from the international because I don't know any of these people's names. It's just like yeah. which ones I have three starred in in my iTunes collection. I would have to actually somehow try to figure out what these tracks are. And like I know the, I know the voices and I know the people. And when I hear the when I hear the assembled cast recordings and they go through like the three different Valjeans and, and I'm like, oh, that's the guy. That's the guy I like. And then they'll go through the three different, of uh, you know, Fantines. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's the one I like. But I don't, I don't know who any, I don't know who any of these people are. I don't know any of their names. This Colin Wilkinson, until I Googled him, I'm like, oh yeah, no, I've seen him from the videos. Yeah. But I couldn't have even told you he was the guy I like. I just wait to hear, to hear the one that I like. And I think that the master of the house number, I mean, a lot of the, the, what's her name? The wife's voice is very affected in all the recordings, so they kind of all start to sound the same. But I think there is a particular singing duo for that song that I, that I feel like is the only. Oh yeah, one. yeah, yeah, with the old Craigley guy. Um, yeah. Well, you know what's his name from Doctor Who did it? Matt Lucas. You might Matt not Smith? even. No. <laughs> that's his name. Is it Matt Lucas? I don't He's, know. Okay. Did you ever see Bridesmaids? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. The brother. Uh, of the brother and sister team that uh, Kristen Wiig lives with. The the bald English guy with no eyebrows. I, I'm, I saw that movie once. I got to look at it. Oh, it's so good, John. Get the unrated version. It's so good. Go Google yeah, Matt unrated Lucas. Version, like, the version I saw had uh, sink pooping. So oh, I, the sink I pooping wonder, is good. It's classic. <laughs> I wonder what the unrated version is going to have. It burns. <laughs> I love that movie too much. Oh, my God. And the outtakes are so great. Highly recommended Bridesmaids. It's better than you think. And then, uh, so yeah, Matt, Matt Lucas, he's got uh, he's got uh, alopecia. Alopecia. That'd be a pretty name for a girl. I don't think so. Oh, yeah. No, I know him. He's, yep. uh, he's on Doctor Who right now. Um, yeah, he's the... Uh, he's The he's, pseudo he's companion. The, yeah. Well, I thought he, yeah, he used to be the helper guy inside the big mecha suit, right? I think that's right. Yeah, that's right. He was in the suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This Philip Quast guy uh, was really great. He's been Samantha Barks is the name of the Eponine in the movie, uh, and I think OSHA also should not let her be corseted that tight. That was not even right. That looked rough. Yeah, really rough. I don't know how you hold a note with that. Well, you know Hakuna Matata. Thanks for thanks for doing it, and thanks for reporting back. Do you have anything else? Any other uh, follow on uh, for Les Mis? I was thinking about the movie after watching it, and it was kind of. Uh you know, stuck in my head the way that it's going to be. And when you spend, what is that? It's like a two and a half, three hour movie seemed really long. It's really long. Uh, Yeah. But the other thing that was stuck in my head was George Costanza singing master of the house. (laughs) Master of the house. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Cause now that is part of the whole experience is that, that show talking about how that song gets stuck in your head. And and now I hear him (laughs) singing it in a sort of, you know, off key way as he goes about his business. <laughs> right. You get like a meta, a meta song, you mm-hmm. know, performance. How about this? This make you feel good. Samantha Barks, Eponine in the movie, uh, born October 2nd, 1990. It's fine. I accept, I accept my mortality. Mm. Speaking of young women, does your daughter like, uh, Les Mis? You know, before I started the movie, 
like she was bored and I, I was wanting to get a jump on it because I wanted to get a better reasonable time. And I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe I'll ask her if she wants to watch it with me. And then I checked the rating and it said oh, PG-13. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you know, probably not. Right. And then when I started watching the movie, I'm like, she would never make it through this because she'd be bored out of her mind because it is not a fast moving movie. And the songs are all over her head and she's never heard them before. And they're not that good performances anyway. So there's oh, okay. no way. I see. That's, no way. I, I guess I meant more had she heard the music, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. We, we, no, she hasn't. We don't, I mean, I don't, it's not in the rotation of things that I subject my kids to. I didn't put it on their iPods. Although I know I put, I put on my own on their iPods. They know that one. Or if they have listened to it again, I didn't force them to listen to it. I just put it on their iPods. But well, you do what you can. Yeah. 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 It's uh it's in pretty regular rotation at our place. Yeah. That movie, that's uh, it's a bit much for a kid. There's some, uh, what was I going to say about uh, one last thing about, was it Wolverine? And I have uncomfortable questions about why a bunch of these people in France have a uh, British accent. Yeah. That's yeah. a good question. I, I, in that other episode of a other podcast, I, I compared, compared this a little bit to the Watchmen problem. Another movie that I really like that almost everybody hates where it's like to tell this story in any reasonable amount of time, it's either going to be setting aside whether you agree with the style issues and how it's interpreted for the screen. It's, I feel like this is one of those projects where it's just about impossible to make something that will satisfy any three to five given hardcore fans as well as then not be inscrutable to somebody uh, who just wants to go watch a damn movie. It's a that is a that is a hard uh, needle to thread. Yeah, and and because it's a a stage play, like there are things that you accept when it's happening on stage. Uh, like there's a vocabulary mm-hmm. that that you're going to go along with. Say, like, well, it's a bunch of people standing on a thing in front of me. I understand the limitations of that format. Therefore, I'm willing to accept X, Y, and Z. Like mm-hmm. I'll accept someone throwing a red handkerchief as blood, right? But if someone throws a red handkerchief in a movie, you're like, what is this? Is a different kind of movie. So this movie wanted to be a movie movie. But then it has a bunch of stagey things in it, yes. That that, that don't like. It's like, do you want do you want to be a stagey thing? Or because I don't, I'm not going to accept that convention when you're being shot entirely like a movie with like. And then I was also thinking about how do they do this on the stage? Like this movie is having all these these different locations and sets and parallel action. It's like, well, you can't do that on a stage. What could what must this set look like for them to pull this off? I don't even understand it. So obviously they were taking some kind of liberties, but. I think the Watchmen movie did a better job of adapting. Having not read the source material to Watchmen nah. and not seen the source material to Liam is, I think uh, Watchmen was more successful than this. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace by going to squarespace.com. Enter the offer code DIFFS at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace because Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more. Maybe you want to create an online store, a portfolio, or a blog. Well, whatever it is you're looking for, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, and no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace has got it all covered They have award-winning 24 by 7 customer support if you need help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name for your site. And all of those award-winning templates are just beautifully designed. It's a great place for you to show off your great ideas. I have been using Squarespace for, geez, six, seven, eight years, years and years now. I love it. I use it for my meetups. I use it to host the Roderick on the Line podcast. Squarespace has been great to me. I think they're just the best. And check this out. Squarespace plans start 
at just $12 per month. But, you know, you can go and start your trial for free right now with no credit card required. You go to squarespace.com. And please remember, when you decide to sign up, use that very special offer code DIFFS, that's D-I-F-F-S, to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for Reconcilable Differences. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. On another podcast, uh, my friend John Roderick and I were talking about how when we were kids, there were handball courts, and no way did anybody ever play handball. You, you, uh, you disagree. I played handball. <laughs> you, you played handball. I have my so many questions about your mother played handball. That's right. <laughs> you said so. Sister played handball. <laughs> um, so the thing you were describing on that show was these these things are built in the fifties or sixties. That you at a, at a playground or a school or a park or whatever, there would be a, a, a giant vertical concrete slab, roughly square shaped, maybe a little bit rectangular, maybe a little bit wider than it is tall, very tall, like the height of a height of a two story house, maybe, and maybe like a foot and a half thick, and just concrete. Sometimes it would be painted on the front with some lines for playing handball. But just that's it. 90 degrees coming up out of the ground and on either side of it or sometimes just on one side of it, but usually on both sides of it. More concrete in a little rectangle, roughly a little you know, longer than the thing if you had laid it down. And that was a handball court. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you said you guys were saying on Roderick on the line, oh, you remember those things, but I never saw anybody playing handball on well, you obviously didn't grow up in New York. No, I did not. I did not. But I was postulating. It was part of the postulation about like what what is up with parks. And my guess was that they built a lot of them because they didn't require maintenance, whether or not people use them. Where I'm from, they were never anywhere but parks. And that's the only place you'd see them was, was like large parks. I'm not sure if they didn't require maintenance because you know what they are is they're an attractive nuisance for the graffiti artists. Oh, of course. Or doo-wop singers. Uh, people having like the sharks and the jets might come and have a knife fight. Well, it's, 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 like, it's like a giant blank canvas. Mm-hmm. Do you have spray paint cans? Come uh-huh. to our giant canvas. And depending on where you were in the parks department, it was an ongoing battle to overpaint and then get sprayed That's and then overpaint point. and get sprayed. Or, or they that. would just let it go. Uh, but I, you know, but it is true that, that you know you mentioned like at least you didn't have like a net to replace. At the park that was near my house growing up, they also had a tennis court, just a plain straight up tennis court. The surface of this tennis court was more like the surface of a road than an actual <laughs> tennis court. Like it was just, you know, sort of industrial asphalt that is oxidized over the years and is all bumpy. Like it wasn't smooth like a hard court is supposed to be. And the net was a chain link fence. Oh, come on. Which is wrong in many, many ways. First of all, it's wrong because the tennis uh, court net is not the same height all the way across, and that's kind of an important part of the sport. So You're I talking think about like, just, a, like a four, whatever the standard height, like what you'd have around a playground, like a four foot or whatever it is, chain link fence. No, I think what they did is they split the difference. If you look at an actual tennis court, the, the net <laughs> has a certain height of the net posts, and then it dips in the middle where the strap is to mm-hmm. be lower by a few inches than it is on the sides. That's an important part of the game. Here, I think what they went with is, well, we don't want to make the whole chain link fence net the height at the lowest point. Well, we also don't want to make it the height at the highest point. So I think they kind of split the difference, put it right in the middle, and just straight across chain link fence. I spent a lot of time playing tennis on that court, and it was kind of fun because the balls would get stuck in it, and they made that little jingly sound when you hit it. Um, <laughs> but uh, less maintenance on that than in net. Uh, well, for sure. Anyway, yeah. At, at the same park and at all my school playgrounds growing up um, were handball courts. And we all played handball in them. 
everybody played handball. Wow. You see, in you know, when you see in movies from the 70s, they'll be going like New York City or something, it'll be a bunch of people shirtless playing handball. Shirtless people playing handball, especially shirtless people in jeans playing handball, it's a fixture of our childhood. Wow. And we all played handball, and I played it all the time. Um, with a handball, we played during recess, played on weekends. It was a big... It was a big thing. It was a big sport among people who would later go on to uh, wear ripped jeans and denim jackets and listen to their brother's Led Zeppelin records uh, and take up smoking. <laughs> I was thinking, like, if I had to imagine the typical handball player, for some reason, I think of John uh, Bowser Bauman from Sha Na Na, but with a shirt off. That is that is more of a caricature of a, of a 50s thing than... Think of it more like, think of the people in Dazed and Confused. I was just going to say uh, McConaughey or something. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, like that, but like skinnier and and not as handsome. Um, but no, but handball is a fun thing. Like I, I draw all, all kinds of racket sports. And uh, at, at recess at middle school, they had paddles and other balls that you could use. But handball was the easiest. You just needed one person with a handball, a little blue rubber ball, smooth blue rubber ball, smaller than a baseball, bigger than a golf ball. And that's all you need. And you just need two people and a wall and that ball, and you can have a handball match. Is it's it, not a complicated is it like, game. And so I, I, I missed one part you said. So it, it is there's the right angle. There's the big, tall wall. Mm-hmm. But, you, but it isn't like racquetball. You don't have sidewalls, right? No, no sidewalls. There's just there's either openness or usually a fence around the whole area so you don't lose the ball. But it's like, it. it's like racquetball in the sense that you hit it, you see, you hit it with your hand. It has mm-hmm. to go above the line. Are you trying to get it into somebody's, does it have to go into somebody's half of the court? So I have no idea what the actual rules of real handball, which I assume is a real sport somewhere is. Yeah. But the way we played it was uh, you hit it with your hand. It has to go from your hand to the wall, anywhere on the wall, on the fly. And then when it comes off the wall, it's allowed to bounce once. And there are lines on the wall and you can't hit it to either side of the line. So you can't, you know, the, but the lines are very generous. They were just like maybe three feet away from the edges. Mm-hmm. And that was it. The rules we played, play, that was essentially it. You could hit the ball as hard as you wanted into the wall, and the person would have to run backwards to get it. You could hit the ball into the wall a centimeter from the ground, making it essentially impossible for the mm-hmm. person to return it because it would have bounced twice by them, but that's really hard to do. That was how we played it. We didn't even play for, like, serving from one side to the other. It was just two people right next to each other, mostly predicated on the idea that we were young and and skinny and wimpy and couldn't really hit it that hard with their hands. Because I feel like if you, once you become stronger, these rules don't work anymore for handball. Okay. But we played a lot of it. Um, it was a fun pastime. It was op- open to everybody, not mm. just people, shirtless people wearing jeans in 90 degree heat. That's nice to hear. That's nice to hear. And I like the minimal equipment, I like the Hobbesian nature of this, of this mano a mano battle. It sounds like a lot of fun. And it's it's interesting that you you guys mentioned that that you had the courts but didn't have the people and yet neighborhood stick fights was something that resonated with both of you. I know. Which, so I know. neighborhood stick fights are, are are national apparently, coast to coast. But handball is mm-hmm. the artifacts exist on the West Coast and and in Florida. Well, the importance of neighborhood stick fights is is it could be a league thing. I think it's John's sport, but I think it's something you could have on a national level. But at the neighborhood part is what's important. It's a way. It's partly it's a way to settle beefs right amongst the different factions. You come out in a field and you hit each other with sticks. You have a stick fight. Yeah. Well, it, it, also, I think the, the important part of neighborhood stick fights is the massing, mm-hmm. is the is the assembling of the troops and the gathering of the sticks. Like that, a lot of a lot of bad blood, a lot of things come out just in the gathering of the sticks and the the massing of the people. Oh, huh. 
I feel like that's that's like one of the one of the yeah. Well, that section was wonderful too. One one of the one of the great things about the <laughs> neighborhood. Why do you listen to that, anything that I do? I don't. I love it. I just I'm, uh, I'm a fan. I, oh, I love the show. I listen to it all the time. Uh, you know, people like to yell at their at their televisions and radios. Yeah. And I like to uh, or their co-host. Uh, I think for shake us, my head. we had mm, what is it, SMH? Is that what they say? The millenniums. I uh, I think for <laughs> us it was uh, it was um, Foursquare. We we played some very very masculine Foursquare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you maybe you are a boomer. <laughs> um, but like Foursquare, you could you could do a lot of stuff, and you could have it was sort of like handball meets poker because you could come up with all kinds of crazy rules, and you could call different kinds of things, and that was really that was a fun thing you could do in a small amount of space. I was a I was a latchkey child. Uh, after we, especially after we moved to Florida, and I just made up a lot of things that I could do alone that were just very sad, lonely sports that I made up for myself, and they were very, they were really, really quite sad. It would be like basically one person handball. <laughs> <laughs> see how, see how far you, you I already throw... made the handball joke on Rudder Gun. See how far? <laughs> I, yeah, I know, I know, I know. See how far you could throw the frisbee and then try to catch it. <laughs> <laughs> you were your own dog. <laughs> so four, uh, four square, like. I think I heard my parents talk about Foursquare, but from my whole childhood, I had no idea what they were talking about. Foursquare, I didn't, I, I couldn't even conceptualize what they were talking about, except that, that it was a game that they mentioned that they played, right? Mm-hmm. But then my kids in their elementary school and their camps are now playing Foursquare, and totally I see fun. when I go when I go to pick them up that there is a literal square on the ground cut into quadrants mm-hmm. and that the kids are standing in them with like a ball. I still don't understand how the game works at all, but I had, I have never played it. It's a lot like, oh, it's really fun. Do you see how they get the name though? Right? Yeah, it's a no, square. It makes sense. Hang on. Yeah. It's a square that also contains, wait for it, four squares. Mm-hmm. The game's called Four Square, Four Space Square. Oh, by the way, uh, well, this will be in show notes, but if you look up handball, uh, handball, according to Wikipedia, which is never wrong, is a whole different Olympic thing. We're looking here for American handball. And that's different from Australian handball. We played in gym class a thing that the gym teachers called European handball. <laughs> that sounds like it's something like, you'd ask like for Is European handball the thing where you use a soccer ball-sized ball and you have to bounce it? You're allowed to bounce it once and then pass it and you're trying to throw it into like a soccer-type net? They got yeah, I'm looking at the page. field like, handball. Yeah. So what I'm what I'm looking at in the handball Wikipedia page is what our gym teachers called European handball because we're Americans we just what we just called handball is just handball right that's right it's like uh, Wham UK you also got Chinese handball you want to play again an hour later you get this guy over here we got no soup um, <sighs> Chinese handball also known as wall ball I was drilling my daughter a little bit today we're waiting for her burrito and I was asking her whether they play dodgeball and war ball war ball is that something from your childhood that name. Yes. So in, when I was a kid, dodgeball, and they were all horrible, horrible, abusive, terrible. No, dodgeball. I will defend dodgeball forever. Okay. So my dodgeball was, there is a large yellow circle on a playground, maybe, it's hard to say when you're a little kid, I don't remember, maybe 15 feet across. A yellow S- circle? Hmm. Hang on. You're thinking of war ball. So dodgeball. <laughs> no, I'm thinking you, of dodgeball, believe me. Okay. All right. So, uh, and so team A it, let's say the the um, offense. There's you for a ring outside the yellow circle. You can't go into the yellow ring. You throw the ball, try and hit the suckers on the inside, right? The uh, team B, and then somebody on the other side. If you catch it, then that person is out, right? So that's that. That was what was I heard was was we called that you know 
Dodgeball. Now, war ball is when you're on two sides of the gymnasium. You throw out mm-hmm. a bunch of balls, and uh, and you know how it goes from there. It's uh, red and tooth and claw, mano a mano, all the way down. Now, what, what's yours? What's your what's your dodgeball? What you call war ball did not exist in my childhood. I don't, you know, that was the same thing. And what you called war ball was what we call dodgeball. It was two sides of an area, usually a gym, but it doesn't have to be one line in the middle, side A and side B. Sometimes multiple balls. I just sent you a picture in the the Skype chat of what a dodgeball is in my it is this exact ball heavy rubber heavy textured rubber a little bit squishy depending on how much it was inflated red red playground ball pretty big like i I would say sometimes as big as a basket as a regulation basketball sometimes a little bit smaller it varied okay Um, but also but also pretty heavy usually too big to pick up in one hand until you're about in middle school or high school depending right so you'd have to chuck it in some other way you couldn't throw it like a baseball oh you do like a chest pass kind of thing no you i mean you could you could like sidearm it or whatever but i'm saying you couldn't pick it up off the ground with one hand your hands weren't big enough like that's how that's how big it was you kind of had to like you know anyway and you have the two sides and sometimes multiple balls in play the the way they would do is they would put the balls on the line in the in the middle however many balls there were and everyone starts back against the you know the far ends of the thing and they blow the whistle and everyone runs to the middle to get the balls and of course if you get there too late then there's a guy 2 feet from you with a ball uh-huh. they throw the ball you can't cross the line yep. but you throw the ball across the line if the ball hits you on the fly and you don't catch it you're out if the if the ball comes to you and you catch it the person who threw it is out and it just goes until there is until one there's person one left. little skinny kid crying in a ball <laughs> and and see i love this game because first of all there was a chance not for serious injury, but like there was a sense of danger. Like you could get the wind knocked out of you. It could, put sting, it, it could sting and it could knock the wind out of you. I think almost everybody that I grew up with got the wind knocked out of them by a dodgeball at some point. Um, it's just part of the game. If you got hit in the face with this, you could get a bloody nose, right? Mm-hmm. This is before you even hit the ground or any of your hard surface. Just from the ball hitting you square in the face, bloody mm-hmm. nose. It can break your glasses. But in the end, like no one's going to break their bones. There's no place for you to fall except for onto the gym floor. And you have a defense, which is, I'll just catch the ball. Or, very often, people who survived a long time, their main defense was they're small and fast, and it could bob and weave. And very often, you'd have three or four hmm. people left, and the whole other team, with four balls, all trying to time each other, with, you know, one, two, three, and all throw all four balls at this one little skinny kid, and they all miss. And then he's got four, four balls on his side, mm-hmm. and can take his time to get them all lined up. It's, a, it's really, it's a lot like chess. Yeah, it is, it is uh, you know, a beautiful, elegant na- a game, I think, that eventually, during my childhood, they stopped allowing us to use dodgeballs, probably after I had aged out of the sport. Like in high school, once you get to high school, like you can whip that ball fast enough to really cause injury and you kind of got to tone it down. They stopped allowing that ball to happen at all. And eventually, I think they just banned dodgeball outright. Because first they were doing these powder puffy balls, like these Nerf things. And then they said, you know what, no more. Because e- even a Nerf ball, you know when they get the hard crust on a Nerf ball? Like oh, imagine sure. a, a Nerf soccer ball gets the crust on it and mm-hmm. it makes a hissing noise when you throw it with spin. Ugh. These made the hissing noise too. That, and then you get a little bit of waterlogged with the hard crust. That can be very, <laughs> very dangerous. But I love dodgeball. As, you know, I wasn't the best at dodgeball. I wasn't the worst, but I enjoyed it because it was, it was a fun athletic thing that, you know, it was a team sport. Oh, and by the way, the other, the other rules, if you're doing it in a gym, if you can throw the dodgeball through the basketball hoop at the far end of the gym, your whole team comes back in. Oh, come on. Which is almost impossible for to do, especially when you're in elementary school. It's like making a half-court shot, basically, because the line is on half-court. It's right? like catching a mutant and going into the uh, into the Stargate. 
That's, yeah, that's well, it, a smart bomb kind of thing. Wow. Right. And it w- people would try it and they would waste their time trying, especially if you're you're near, towards the end and they do a coordinated throw and you can manage to make right. all the balls not this bounce is like back. Catching, that's like catching the Quidditch bird, right? That's like 100, it's 150 points. That's a huge deal. Well, just, be, just because it brings your whole team back in doesn't mean you automatically win because what if they mostly yeah. have their whole team too? And that's the same whole team that already got out before. You ever, so. ever, ever seen anybody do it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did it all the time. Wow. Like yeah, we, we, I mean it was at least like three or four or five times a year it happened. Oh my gosh, I mean, we were, we would attempt it like crazy, crazy because we're you know just a bunch of stupid kids and we want to do it because it's the exciting thing. So we attempt it all the time and it would just be you know pathetic. But eventually <laughs> someone would get one. That's amazing. Yeah, I think I my I was exposed to uh, in dodgeball. You know, it's harrowing like most of elementary school. Warball was introduced to me in in mid, junior high, and that's I was very vulnerable then. So what you felt it was harrowing because you felt like were you one of the few people left because you were small and hiding or did you just not like the idea did you get out early like why was it why was it a traumatic experience for you well it's it's very aggressive very you know it's aggressive it a sport yeah. yeah exactly <sighs> here we go you didn't again. like people throwing balls at you, you like it felt, felt oh, I personal? loved it John I was always looking for people to throw balls at me <laughs> like you know, I, still, I still pay women to throw balls at me did you did you, did you get the wind knocked out of you I had everything ball? knocked out of me John I was a wuss. <laughs> I was a mama's boy. Mama's boys do not like ball games. <laughs> I can't believe you. You got layers of an onion. I just, I'll never understand it. This is not a sophisticated game where you need special coordination. It's not like a baseball where like you're so hitting, hitting a pitch with a, a, you know, a ball with a bat. I like, I like coordination games. I was okay. I was okay at baseball, but I mean, this is where, this is the glory of Foursquare. Is it, it's a game of strategy. It's a game of skill. It's a game of switch 'em ups. It's a lot of fun. You should you should look into Foursquare. I think you could do it competitively my, today. My, you, my kids could build, teach me how to play it. Yeah, be huge. You could be a counselor. It, it strikes me as more like hopscotch. Oh come on! Just because it's painted on the ground? No, but like there's a confined there's a confined area. Ugh. So whatever you're doing with that ball, it's not as if you're weak sauce. You you go 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 on YouTube, watch some Foursquare videos. <laughs> so, so did you ever ask your parents what kind of games they played when they were kids? <sighs> I feel like I did. I used to ask more about like what kind of comedy and music they liked because I don't like <laughs> no, sports. But uh, yeah, I can tell you that. No, I don't remember. I think yeah, they played those phony blowing things, probably like stickball and Morris yeah, dance. Yeah, so you mentioned you mentioned that on, uh, as if it's a thing that never happened. Never happened. I played stickball. I played stickball. Steve Rogers. We all played, Steve we Rogers all played stickball. Played it. <laughs> like with a stick. Like, I don't you, believe you. I know we totally did. You weren't Everybody, even in Manhattan. It doesn't matter. You're in the New York metro. I don't know. I didn't. I would have. If you had asked me, I would have said I thought all these things were national, but apparently not. But stickball was 100% a thing with an actual stick, just like you see, just so like strange. you see in the movies. You go watch Brighton Beach Memoirs and they're yeah. playing stickball in the street. Aside from the period garb, like, <laughs> yeah, we played stickball. Did you play in period garb? No, we just played in, well, we played in, in 80s, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <80s clothes. laughs> you right. You're in the Warriors. <laughs> yeah. The, the great thing about stickball is that when you, when you actually either graduate to or someone in your, your group gets like a yellow wiffle bat, mm-hmm. it feels like it's giant. It feels like a giant novelty bat because trying to play with a broom handle, trying to hit, we, we would be trying to hit a handball with a stick. It's harder than you think it no, is. No, it's hard. It's very hard. Um, and, but it would fit within the <sighs> confines of the street because most, almost every hit would be like a, a, you know, not a foul tip, but you would, ne- you making square contact was you don't, so You don't get rare. a piece of it. Yeah. yeah. You get a little piece of it and it bounces off and you have time to run to the little bases that are like ones at the curb and ones back there. And yeah, we played stickball. Yeah, like first base is a Chevy. 
You 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 basically lived in an, in a in a Neil Simon play, from what I can tell. No, because we uh, we were in a suburb. Like imagine that, okay. but take away New York City, take away like the, the Bronx, mm-hmm. and, and replace it with uh you know the suburbs of Long Island. But it's all it's all the same people. So anyway, for games that my parents played, did you ever play Kick the Can? I, I'm aware that that's a game that supposedly existed. I've I think it's only in movies. My parents played that. We played it a little bit, but we I don't think anyone in our Is group including me. Is Kick the Can me, different from Smear the Queer? <sighs> Smear if the... I played a game by that name, yeah. I think I have blocked it out. But I, oh, so I'm it's fine with for you name. to play the '80s card when it suits you. No, uh, what we pl- what we played was kill the guy with the ball, which I feel like was the more uh, okay. the, yeah. the politically correct version of that. Sure, but kick the can was complicated to the point where I don't think any of us knew how to play it. Oh my god! Oh my god! We're talking about the same thing. It's under uh, subheading five point seven. Muckle, muckle, sometimes called muckle the man with the ball, kill the guy with the ball, kill the carrier, or smear the queer, among other names, is the reverse of regular tag. All the other players chase it. This player is denoted by carrying a ball, usually a football, when they're caught, they're tackled or muckled. Whoever retrieves the ball first or whoever attacks the one who is it then becomes it. Sometimes the last player arriving to tackle the former ball carrier is the next person to be it. Other variations, the player with the ball throws the ball up in the air where it is caught by another player who becomes it. That's kill the guy with the ball. Kill the guy with yep. the ball, smear the queer. Muckle, muckle the man with the ball. La, la, la. Another one my parents would talk about that I have, I think I've had them explain to me many times before, and I think it might be related to kick the can, but maybe not, is Ring Illyrio, which I'm assuming you've never heard of because that sounds like a New York thing. I don't even know how to spell it. My, my mom is listening oh, right now. Oh, Ring Illyrio, the Orzo that he would make. Mm, magnifique. Ring Alivio, maybe? Maybe it's Ring Alivio. Let's see. Children's game that may be played anywhere, but it originates in New York City. And they talked about playing this and they explained it to me. As if it was the most natural thing, the same way you explained any childhood game, and it never <gasps> it never stuck. Okay, look at this. Look at this. Are you aware of this? A PBS documentary from 2010 called New York Street Games. <laughs> oh, my I'm, God. I'm this unaware. is our challenge. This is going to be our challenge. We've got to watch this. Oh, my God. Here you go. Can I read some of these to you? Can I read you the internet? Yeah, go ahead. I'm looking at the page. Stick ball, ring alivio, stoop ball, kick the can, punch ball, hopscotch, slap ball, hit the stick, scully, double dutch, Johnny on a pony. Box ball, steal the bacon, ace, king, queen, red rover. Red rover, red rover. Red rover, yep, why don't you come over red, off, off the wall and box baseball. I'm so going to find this. Hector Elizondo n- narrated it. That's nice. Oh, look at that. Robert Klein, C. Everett Coop. Hoopy Goldberg. <laughs> C. Everett Coop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Joey Pants. Joey Pants is in it. Regis Philbin. Wow, this is terrific. Re- Regis played some stick ball. You can't tell me Regis Philbin didn't <laughs> oh, play some stick got, ball. He's got stick ball written all over him. <laughs> 76 minutes. They cover all these sports. Oh, Curtis Sliwa. He's the uh, Guardian Angels guy, if memory serves. I don't know why I thought it was Ring Illyrio. See, my memory. Maybe it's because it's we close. knew someone named Illyrio. No, no. It's, it's plenty close. New York Street Games. Let me see if I can find this on the truck. All right. Well, uh, I, you know, I stand as usual corrected. Well, that, you know, that's the thing about the th- things that you think are national but end up being regional. It's hard to tell uh, until you get some corroboration from people from other parts of the country. Oh, you don't know X? Isn't X everywhere? No, it turns out X was just in your state, in your neighborhood, in your side of the country. But uh, the most interesting thing I find like, about handball is that you had the monuments. You had the artifacts. It was like the, some, some, this, this race of aliens had plopped down these cement walls, but you're like, I don't, I don't know what these are for. No one ever does anything to them. Well, you know, we live we lived in the suburbs too, very very white uh, suburbs, and so we would just make up games based on TV shows. We would make up not game or it was somewhere between a game and some kind of play, right? So we would have something called SWAT, 
where we mostly run down a hill and go da 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 da, or we uh, we'd all seen the movie Tora Tora Tora, and so we ride our big wheels down a hill yelling Tora Tora Tora. Speaking of regional, tell me tell me this one. I think we might have already covered this because we're old and we forget things, or at least I do. Yeah. Um, take your big wheel, which is a plastic thing with three wheels. The one in the front is really big, and the ones in the back are small. And you sit on it, and the pedals are directly attached to the front wheel. So we're on the it's same. Got a cool skid brake, skid brake on the right side. Yeah, exactly. We're all on the same page with big wheel, right? Yep. 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 You take that big wheel, mm-hmm. you turn it upside down. Oh, yeah. You turn the pedals with your hands. What is that? Oh, I don't have a name for that. Ice Cream Man. Ice Cream Man. Huh. Did you have a big wheel or did you have any, some, some kids got a big, I had a big wheel. Some kids had the green machine, which I think was a slightly cooler version. We had the, the big wheel, although it might have been off brand. But yes, but every everybody in my childhood, for reasons that were never clear to me and continue not to be clear to me, would take their big wheels, turn it upside down, turn, uh, you know, put their body over the thing, turn the pedals with your hands. And we would say ice cream, man. It wow. doesn't look anything like ice cream. I mean, the only thing I think of is that maybe back in the day they had like the like the ice cream churn and like a big ice salt water yes. bath. Like you know, you had to like churn the ice cream. You're talking but about you this... flip the you flip the big wheel over and you spin it with your with the pedals with your hands. Yes, we, we call that while your um, body is sitting on the overturned right, other part the carcass of it. of it. We call that ring alivio where I was from. Mm-hmm. Why is that ice cream, man? Why it doesn't, doesn't it never made sense to me, and yet everybody did it without prompting. Uh, I have found, if you can't tell from the thumb, I have found a copy of that documentary. I'll watch the first half of it tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> see him recoup. See him recoup. You can see him right there. His <laughs> weird bottom of face beard. <laughs> Do they even have a name for that? Is that what do you call it, like a toilet brush? It's, it's, it's called the coop now, because how many other people have that, have that style? Okay, do you think he's bummed that he doesn't get to wear the uniform anymore? Is he stealing valor if he wears that uniform? I saw your Captain Kangaroo joke, but I didn't. I don't know. The, I I could surmise the, the the joke without knowing the origin. But I where is that you from? You don't know about stolen valor. No. Oh gosh. Well, uh, I think there is a increasingly I confuse Radio Lab and This American Life, but there's definitely a famous public radio podcast about it. But basically. It's a thing where let me get the parts of this right, and even just saying this wrong, I'm probably stealing valor. But basically, uh, if I may say in my own terms, a very bent out of shape veterans will go to places like the mall, and if they see somebody there who's wearing any garb or fronting in any way that they might be a veteran. There's all kinds of ways to do this, but a real simple one is you go up to people at the mall and you're like, "Where'd you serve? What was your what was your unit? What's the blah 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 blah?" And then they do videos of shaming people for doing anything veteran like. And they call that uh, stealing valor. And then they post right, it on the so website. So is this a thing that people will wear military uniforms despite not serving in the military? Sure. Just like there's people who want to be cops. You know, there are, there's always going to be people who oh, have... I don't want to know about people. I didn't know that was a thing. And now I don't want to know. The people want to be cops. So they wear cop outfits, but they're not cops. Are you kidding me? You've never seen the sites where you can go out and buy cop stuff. You can buy a little, little light for your car. You get to go out and pretend you're a cop. No. It's not, I it's not legal. People who dressed up as cops who were doing it for Halloween. Like a sexy thing. Yeah. yeah. I okay. guess. I don't want to know about <laughs> so so pe- People do that with veterans too. They'll like wear, what do, what do you wear? To, do, you, do they do they find like actual, you know, enlisted person clothes and buy them secondhand and wear them? I think in some cases it is people wearing a, a fake uniform, but a lot of times it's like, you're not a Vietnam vet. Like you don't, don't wear that Vietnam vet, you know, cap. Oh, there was like the hat maybe, yeah. like a baseball hat with like a pin on it or something. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's look up Stolen Valor. And I think that might've come from, that's, I think that's the name of a famous... Website. Oh, and then you got the stolen valor. You act. Tell them. Tell them it's just it's just valor infringement. It's not actually theft. <laughs> it's uh, valor jacking. <laughs> 
Stolen valor. Look at that. It's a hell of a thing. I, I can actually kind of sympathize with that because if you yeah, if sure. you actually serve and put your life in the line and the people are going to play dress up. Yeah, or you could like, like maybe that. just go volunteer somewhere and be useful instead of just harassing people. That that's another thing you could do. I'm not well, if people are out there harassing people, fine. But if you're going about your daily life and you you happen to be in a situation where you see somebody like that, like I can imagine being annoyed by it. If, yeah, if instead I, you say, yeah. what do you want to do this weekend? Let's go to the mall and find people who are stealing Valor. That, that's where it crosses the line. <laughs> you think you and me could do that? Would you want to do that? Maybe when you're in town, we'll go to the mall down in San Jose. We'll see if anybody's stealing Valor. Okay, we'll, we'll see if we can find some of the mall walkers and be like, you were in World War II. It's down, Grandpa. <laughs> you totally, your legs just bent up and under there. You totally got your legs. Um, I have my 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 grandfather both my grandfathers were in world war ii but one of them was only briefly in world war ii mm-hmm. because he was in the navy and i think i told you this before and he got oh, so right. violently ill that they they dropped him off at the next port and said basically you're not cut out for the navy son guess oh, where i got no. my seasickness from oh interesting <laughs> i like although he had to find out in a terrible way it's patra patrilineal <laughs> Yeah, he eventually became a detective in New York City, so he found another way to uh, get a uniform. He's first a thousand young punks. Boy, the stories he used to tell us about being a cop in New York City. I'll bet. If some, if he was to wear something and said, you didn't serve World War II, technically he did. Technically, for, for a short period of time, like, you know. <laughs> Nothing suits a veteran quite like a well, actually. <laughs> exactly, like, it would be technically right. correct. But, yeah, but this is the thing with the old people. They can't remember what, you know, no. what whatever did you serve in in the Navy. Pfft. It's just, yeah. it's not nice to yell at people. You know, um, uh, Don Rickles, he was he was in the Navy. Been watching a lot of Tonight Show videos. I'm just sitting there just talking to Goober for, like, two days. We're just sitting there and, like, sending each other Tonight Show videos. Oh, my God, that show was so good. What was I going to, Stolen Valor Act of 2013. Uh, law amends the federal criminal code to make it a crime for a person to fraudulently fraudulently claim having received a valor award specified in the act with the intention of obtaining money, property, or other tangible benefit by convincing another that he or she received the award. That law makes sense. It just sounds like an anti-fraud law. Yeah, there's a lot of laws that make sense that sound like a law that's already there, you know? But, uh, uh, you know, thank you for your service. Well, you know, like any any kind of fraud thing where it's like, this is available to, uh, you know, a cheaper apartment rental for people yeah. with kids and you pretend you have kids. Yeah, you're right. Why do you need why do you need a special law about military people? Other well, because you know, that's the kind of thing you can do, and sure would be nice if our teachers got paid. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Blue Apron, the number one recipe delivery service that has the freshest ingredients. For less than ten dollars per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with fresh, high quality ingredients to make delicious home cooked meals. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone while supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs. Blue Apron Seafood is sourced sustainably under standards developed in partnership with the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. Their beef, chicken, and pork come from responsibly raised animals, and their produce is sourced from farms that practice regenerative farming. Each Blue Apron meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients that can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. We are big fans of Blue Apron at our house. Our daughter loves to help cook these meals, and we find it's one of the few occasions that we can count on her trying a new thing. She helped make it, and that's a nice thing. You can choose from a variety of new recipes each week or let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. No recipes are repeated within a year and you'll be able to cook meals like this. How about spinach and fresh mozzarella pizza with olives, bell peppers, and ricotta salad? 
Parmesan-crusted chicken with creamy fettuccine and roasted broccoli. Maybe lemongrass and ginger turkey burgers with marinated radishes and roasted sweet potatoes. Yum. And Blue Apron delivers to 99% of the continental U.S. There's no weekly commitment, so you only get deliveries when you want them. And their freshness guarantee means that every ingredient arrives ready to cook or they'll make it right. So please go and check out this week's menu and you're going to get free meals free with your first purchase, including free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Visit blueapron.com slash diffs. Our thanks to Blue Apron for supporting Reconcilable Differences and Relay FM. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So uh, we should really continue with our show notes that we have here. I put this in here. You do not have to address this unless you want to. Uh, we had a very big week, a huge week last week. We talked about the concept of follow-up, the fact that you are heavily credited with coming up with the idea. I can't believe we didn't pick that as a title. I mean, I, you know, I blame I blame myself. I will yeah. forever think of that as the heavily credited episode. It, you know what the problem is? Like I said, is I was so blinded by rage that I, I didn't catch your wording until actual re-listening. Yeah. To our listeners, I was going about my business a few days ago, and I received a mysterious package in iMessage that was just an audio file labeled heavily credited. <laughs> I mean, you <laughs> so listened to the episode. Like, it's not like this was a new clip. I you were there. Who this is from. <laughs> John Syracuse, undisputed inventor of follow-up and all that it implies. What... Um, have you, you've had some more time to think about it? You've you've uh, had time to talk to people about it. I imagine you've heard podcasts. You, I think you mentioned it just a little bit jokingly in passing on the ATP that's not out yet. Uh, do you have any follow up on follow up? Um, the only thing I do you have anything else you want to add? A big part of I don't know if you know this. A big part of follow up. It's not just errata, huh? It's a, it could also be that you've had time to think about <laughs> something. You have more things to add. It's not just erotica. You're right. No, um, <laughs> put your hands upon my erotica. The only thing that occurred to me that I feel like we didn't touch on, and it, it is now relevant in the wake of this is and maybe i'm misremembering this so you'll tell me if i'm I'm getting one of your bits wrong but when i say getting things done you say oh uh was this a cheer no oh getting oh, things oh, done oh, oh, oh copyright david code 2001 yes exactly what's the year is it 2001 that's the part i was unsure about 2010 <laughs> it's too bad it's too bad you don't listen to do by friday anyway it's it's uh Dave it's two thousand copyright two thousand one uh, David Co. Mm-hmm. And Dave Co. is like the uh, what's the guy's name? Um, his name is David Allen. Right there, you go, David Allen. But his company is Dave Co. So I don't know the origin of that bit, other than you started saying it on Back to Work. Whenever I mentioned getting things done, I wanted to make a point of saying that this is it was kind of two jokes. So I put a hat on a hat. The one joke is I want to give credit where due, and the mm-hmm. other thing is God bless them. That company's a little bit tightly wound about their IP. A mm-hmm. little bit. Right. So that, I mean, that was what I, I surmised. And maybe you would actually mention that in the first time you started doing it. But like my backstory that I had for myself was that at some point, somebody, although I didn't think it was the company itself, but at some point, somebody contacted you in some way and said, hey, you keep talking about getting things done as if it's your own thing. Mm-hmm. That's not your thing. Actually, that's David Allen's thing. I did. I got. I got. I got the same email that tons of productivity. It was not me in particular, but it was a, an email that a lot. It was a form letter. It was a form email. No, it was. They're a very strange organization. Um, yeah, it was just this this email that basically said, "Look, you know, 
from now on, we prefer that when you mention getting things done or GTD, please include the service mark and mention that it is <laughs> mention that it's a copyright of, of David Co. And when and are you ready for this? Whenever you use GTD or getting things done in text, um, you must provide you must uh, anchor it to to this link that is the description on his site of what GTD is. What was the terms? So you, I, I, you must. I should run. Yes. I should run a doctorate on them. You guys. Mm-hmm. So that's you know you know I understand that I I we talked about this last week and I'm, I'm derailing you but no I I get that I get that that's hard I think but it's also it's a little bit of a you know as it's it's hard when you see somebody not realizing like it's difficult for me to not realize to watch you not realize why people love you or not care why people love you and worry about other things. No, 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 that's not where I'm going with this. And by that's the same cool. token, it troubles me when David Allen uh, is is in his in his company. Are, it troubles me. It's none of my business, but I can still have an opinion when they don't get what it is that's really awesome about what they do. You know, that ideas are free and that they've done something wonderful. And like, you know, it's it's just strange when they want to like then turn that into like, well, now from now on, you have to put a service mark and link to this page with this kind of, to me, kind of slightly poorly written uh, summary. And I think that just bums a person out. So the relevant part of this for me in this context is that that happened which it sounds like it happened more or less exactly as I was thinking would happen. It was friendly. It was friendly, but it happened. Right. And then for the next four years, five years, seven years, how many years, you reflexively said copyright Dave Co. 2001 every time you said getting things done. I did it as a joke. It had been years since that particular thing had happened. I utterly ignored what they said. And because right. I didn't need to, that was a silly request. God bless you, David. That was a strange request. And I have no legal obligation to do that. And uh, then I just started doing it as a joke because, you know, I do. I love the guy. I, I like the man. I, lo- I like him a lot. I like his program, but it is kind of funny. And that became the bit years later. And now for the first time, I've told you why. <laughs> so it was a bit, but also like the many things could become a bit. It seemed like and, you know, makes sense that you resented the idea that someone would be thinking you were taking credit for something because you weren't and demanding this thing, which seems ridiculous and in fact is ridiculous. And so that's what motivates the first part of it. And then eventually it becomes a bit because it's like, that's why I was doing it originally. Okay. I'm, trying, I'm trying to think about what you just said a lot really fast. It's resentment about, say again? Being asked to do something, uh, resentment for, you know, implying that you are t- trying to take credit for an idea that's not yours. The, the primarily, uh, I'm not saying I agree or disagree, but if just to understand, you're saying that I would be a little bit Somewhere between like rolling my eyes to slightly put off by the idea of the implication that I was unintentionally or intentionally trying to eat off his plate and not credit him. Right. And then on top of that, the remedy being this the eye rolling part of like, oh, you know, the, the link and having to use a service mark and so on and so forth. And so that's what motivates it initially. And then your general stubbornness and, uh, and uh, enjoyment of a good bit lets it spin off and become yeah. this long running thing. Right. All true so far. Yes. Right. So now in the wake of our follow up episode, <laughs> I've noticed and you did it right here, putting the little trademark on it. And I did listen to the most recent episode of Do by Friday and doing that bit there. And oh here's my. the thing, though. Yeah. <laughs> There's two Boy, things. Barrel week. <laughs> There's two, two things about this. First of all, my complaint was not that people weren't crediting me when they did a follow up. My complaint was that if anyone ever wondered where follow up came from, that it should eventually lead back to me. And it was an explicit part that like. Yeah. Surely only the people who got it directly from me would know that. Mm-hmm. But the people who got it indirectly would say, I first heard it from X, who first heard it from Y, and like the chain would eventually lead back to me, right? Okay. 
but there was no suggestion that like in fact part of the part of the point was there should be the only way you can tell this is successfully spread is there should be a vast number of people who have literally no idea where it came from that has to like forget about crediting it they don't even know they don't even care it just seems like it has always existed that is an important characteristic of the success of this meme or you know concept or whatever mm-hmm. all i wanted was that the people who did get it directly from me not forget that that's where it came from no suggestion right. of anyone crediting anything at any point right and certainly no suggestion of like you know this <laughs> copyright dave go 2001 thing right mm-hmm. so in some sense it's like well, he's doing the Dave Code 2001 bit, but it doesn't make sense in this context. That's not what I was asking for, and that's not my thing anyway, right? Yeah. So that's one aspect. The second aspect of it, though... Thank you, thank you for is, listening. Thank you. This is, where, this is where I get back to being pathetic. The second aspect, though, is like, well, if he's going to do that bit, A, he's probably going to do it for the next seven years, nope. and B, it does actually spread the knowledge that Falloff came oh, from me. Oh, like, interesting. You turned but, it. I did not see but, that coming. But by doing the bit, you are oh. essentially... You are essentially uh, like it is like the you know the fungus that goes in the ant's head and makes it crawl to the top and yep. like and, and spread like you are the ant I'm right the ant. Uh, unintentionally mm-hmm. you can't the zombie ant you can't help which but one go are, you? The top are you the, are you the fungus or the tree I'm whatever the fungus came from because I'm not the fungus in your head but I put it there okay I think I'm I'm definitely part of me is the ant's head I think you're the whole ant you're the whole ant I'm the whole ant okay and the 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 fungus is the implementation of the idea that I didn't know I had the thing the the, the idea is making you crawl to the top of the highest blade so of first grass. you you fall off you fall off the tree the fungus bursts from your head and spreads its spores and, and so the eventual and, credit is the mushrooms that later bloom yeah. bloom out so of my belly so in some respects I want to tell you uh that your your gag about the TM and mm-hmm. copyright Dave Co. 2001 or yeah. whatever doesn't make sense in the context of what we talked about in the previous show. Okay. But on the other hand, if you continue to do that gag for seven years, the entire world will know from, from whence it came. Okay. So, well, that's, so that's, that's good. That, that's, if, uh, I had, if I had to choose, I would say the, don't do the gag. Because the, the, the danger zone with the gag is that eventually that it becomes the opposite, that you hear it so much that you think the joke is that I didn't invent it. Like, that's mm-hmm. the danger mm-hmm. in, in the backside of that mm-hmm. either way. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> I think the more appropriate gag would have been about my insecurity. If you wanted to go for a, a different gag to do for seven years. No, we all forgot. Damn it, John. Everybody feels terrible about this. The fact that you're so raw <laughs> about Al- this dumb thing is very upsetting uh, to everyone. Yeah. Oh, no, but Alex tweeted, Alex tweeted, I think, possibly sincerely that she's like, you know what? The more I think about oh, it, the more God, weird it does you're, seem. You're the worst. Ugh, you just, you like, you can't be helped. You're, you're like a, you're like a, you're like a raw nerve in a bell jar. It's like no, everybody loves you, John. We love you. Yeah. We love yep. you for all of the things yeah, that you do. Yeah. Who's and the, this who's is the funny. good cop now, Merlin? And and uh, you know what? I'm signaling a little bit. Watch a crop. Moving on. You're the one that put it in quotes. You're the one. Then why is it in quotes? <laughs> Anyway, anyway. That's, that's more that's more or less all I have to say about that. And the, the ant fungus spores have spread and it is what it is. And I said what I had to say. And what can you do? You can't be pleased is, is one thing. Uh, we don't know how to please you. We've all tried. <laughs> I've been trying for uh, low these uh, 50 episodes. Have, I don't know. Yeah. I've been trying something to please me. Maybe oh, not as the thing. Is that, is that right? Is that what I do? 50 episodes, John. They never said I'd do 50? a past three. Wait yes, a five zero, big week. Wow, this is—I didn't know about. I this. know it didn't occur to me until just now. Yeah, I don't care. I hate anniversaries. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Bombfell, the online personal styling service dedicated to finding the right clothes for you. Take it from me—I know shopping for clothes can be stressful. The stores are busy. 
You don't know what you're looking for, and it can be tough even knowing what will suit you. And even when you order online, you still always run the risk of getting caught out by return fees. Well, Bombfell takes away all of the stress of shopping with their personalized service that's ready to help you set up your look. When you sign up to Bombfell, you'll be matched with your very own stylist who can help find the clothing that is right for you. Bombfell's service is fully personalized and every piece is hand-picked for you by your stylist. Bombfell, look through menswear collections from around the world and they send you pieces from the collections that work best for you. There are no hidden fees or catches. It is the most simple, straightforward way to step up your look. You only pay for what you keep and there is no charge to send returns back. And listen, Bombfell doesn't make money on items you don't want to keep, so you know they're dedicated to making sure that your picks are spot on. Bombfell is completely flexible. You can push up, delay, or skip shipments anytime you want. I have done a recent Bombfell order and brother, was it ever great. I had to do a field trip with my kid the other day and I wore my awesome new uh, uh, short sleeve plaid shirt with a very, very handsome sweater. And my daughter even remarked that I look like a normal grown up. I was wearing like nice clothes. It was really impressive. Thanks, Bombfell. Much appreciated. And here's the thing. This week, we have an exclusive deal just for Reconcilable Differences listeners. You're going to get $25 off your first purchase by visiting bombfell.com slash diffs. Signing up is so easy. And when you sign up, your stylist is just going to email you with their selections. And you're going to have 48 hours to make changes or cancel it all together. You're in total control. And listen, I'm here to tell you, I did this. I, I liked what they had picked for me, but I had other things I liked even better. And I said, hey, hey, try that. And you know what? They did it. They sent the clothes. It was that easy. You open a box, gorgeous, beautiful clothes. Boom. So please go to bombfell.com slash diffs. That's B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L, bombfell. You're going to get $25 off your first purchase. Check out bombfell today and find the right clothes for you. Our thanks to bombfell for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Did you follow the link on the follow-up there? Five steps. Mm -hmm. Capture, clarify, organize, reflect, and engage. Yeah, he's changed it up a little bit. Reflect. That's the review. Yep, yep, yep. Engage. Simply do. The subtitles. Mm. (laughs) Clarify. (laughs) Process what it means. And Mm. this is where you say... Mm. Mm. Capture that? that? What that that mean? (laughs) Yeah, I mean... That's one of the one of the things that's a little challenging about the book, which is one of the greatest things I've ever read in my life, changed my life, is that it is, at the moment, he has such a, just a razor sharp clarity about so many things and other things. He has a few ticks, like corporate guy ticks, where things get a little bit buried in weird obfuscation and strange part of speech usage. And it's like, Ugh, I wish you don't need to do that. Like, you you can speak more clearly than that, but he's a great communicator. He's, um, but they're, God, they're so, I'm not going to say anymore because I don't want to get in trouble, but they're, they're a very funny company. They moved to, uh, they moved to uh, the Dutch. They used to be here in, uh, in California. Now they're in the Dutch. The only other podcast I've ever talk about this getting things done book was, I think, on Hello Internet. You correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Where no, they, he's talked about it. Where there's Bra- there's Brady... all kinds of things where I think Gray doesn't want to admit he knows who I am. But no, he's he's talked a lot about it. And so has uh, John Dickerson. Yeah, well, I think I think Gray made Brady read it. Yeah, and that was funny. And that Brady hated it, <laughs> mm-hmm. if my recollection is. No, he famously really hated it. 
Right. So, so I've got your your raves about how life changing the book on that I've heard for years, right? And I've heard. I feel like I've. I feel like I've read the book myself. I've heard it talked about so many times, and you know, all, you know, in detail what the whole thing is about. And yeah. to hear someone else go into it cold, I've never read the book. To hear someone else go into it and say this book was terrible, be, you know, having had it passed to them by somebody who was kind of on the same page with you that like this is you know this book helped me get a handle on things and and had some good ideas in it despite some wackiness. It's a pretty pretty wide range for what is I guess a pretty well known book on the top. And that's that's talk about your sampling errors. That's like your Chick Fil A report. That's that's a bad sampling error. Yeah, I'm sure, but that's all I've got. It's all there's all the the data well, I've got. Know, I'm, if, I'm, if, I'm if I thought if I thought you could be helped, I'd recommend it. You ever been to the Black Stump? You ever been to that? No. <laughs> See, it's not that I can like. Here's the thing. I'm those type of books don't. Not that they don't. I don't know. I I, I never feel the need. Whatever whatever need that book is filling, I don't feel like I have that particular problem doesn't mean i don't have it i, know I just feel like i don't i know i know right and so of, of all the things that i'm going to seek out a book to help me figure out it's not going to be this type of stuff not and you know and i love listening to shows about it like i love listening to other people work through their issues with the similar things and you know there are good ideas to be had there but i never feel like i need something like that my uh my late stepfather who's the worst person i ever knew um, was a very gifted chef and restaurateur mostly for most of his life. He'd been very successful. He had many successful steakhouses and when he, but he would do lots of funny things because he was the worst human being I've ever met. One of the things was that when he and my mom, he'd done this his whole life, basically several interesting things. Whenever he'd go out to eat somewhere, first of all, he made my mother steal the menu, even if it was steak and ale and it was printed on a literal meat cleaver. He would make my mother steal the menu because he would use that for research. He would then proceed to order the least appropriate thing possible and then would bitch about how terrible it was. So he would go to a steakhouse and get whatever, the freaking you know, lobster thermidor or whatever. Because sometimes there are people in life who just need to let you know what they're not happy about. If only he had a, a smartphone. He could just take a picture of all those menus oh, for research purposes. Right. You don't have to actually steal the menu. I know. I'm surprised he didn't make your mom transcribe it. He made her do a lot of things. Um, so did you, uh, have you, have you juggled these yet? I can't even tell. Uh, like it matters an hour and 20 in, but, um, right. I looked at, I looked at them and I, I, I didn't do We're a an hour and 27 minutes in time flies when you're getting yelled at. Yeah. It's not barrel week. Is that the expression? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah that's what they say. Yeah, what was that? What was that one, the one listener who, who, who scolded you for complaining about getting yelled at? <laughs> okay. Thanks. Bye. It was like, it was like, you got meta yelled at. I know. <laughs> and then a bunch of people favorited it. I was like, I don't understand this. I don't understand. I don't understand anything anymore they don't want they don't they're, they're they don't want to hear your whining they'll give you something to cry about i bet they will that's what we do for millenniums when i'm wearing the moose antlers that means i'm doing a bit <laughs> but you pulled out you you had occasion to pull out the piano line though so there's the that. piano line yeah you should hear me play piano. oh sure 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 oh yeah which one was that one? Oh, that was yes okay there was the lady with the emojis who said that i should stop saying that you're mean to me mm-hmm and and then there which, was the which fella. I agree with by the way. Good job, emoji lady. Why why is that even something that a person would say? Why would a person say that? <laughs> no, don't. It's hard to. Yeah. What? No, it's hard to say. Why 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 would someone say that? What 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 is to be gained? It, what is this in the service of? Making the comment or why she doesn't like it when you say you're getting? Yeah, out. sure. Any of those. Why am I why am I not supposed to say it? Point out that you're the good cop. You are being mean to me, and even when it's not the alternate week, you are still very you you put me in a barrel. You're very, you're very sensitive. You're, you're sensitive. You're the one who's sensitive. I, we're both sensitive. That's the problem. Yeah. Sensitive in different ways about different things. We're all sensitive people. With podcasts or anything, right? because people feel a connection with the people on it, they have suggestions. They have notes. Yes. Notes about the show. Yes. Um, 
And those notes span the entire range, and this just happens to be one of them. And it is unexpected because it targets you specifically on, uh, on a th- but I, I think it fits right in with all. insufferable guy or don't say John's mean girl? Don't don't say John's mean. Okay. Like, because that, I think that fits right in with all the people who say, like, you should be standing farther back in your microphone or I don't like it when you talk about sports mm-hmm. or, you know, don't say this particular word or like ever. Don't say you know. mean, don't say mean things about Apple. Yeah, whatever. Like this, it's all it's all of a piece. So I don't I don't see that as stand as standing out in any way as any more any any more or less topical than any other. Feedback. I just didn't understand what she what she. I mean, I think I understand she what she's she talking. Want to hear you whining anymore? That's what it comes I'm down to. I'm not whining. I'm half of the goddamn <laughs> show. Like, well, you know, people don't like to hear me talk about some topic, and they say, "Oh God, whatever it is." Like, stop talking about Zelda. I, I'm going to give you the same offer. I'm going to give you the same offer I give John Roderick. And here's here's the offer to you. <laughs> this is my offer: is this money, money back guarantee? <laughs> <laughs> Refund you every cent. My offer. My offer. My offer is this: nothing. Nothing. My my <laughs> offer is: if you think you can do this show on your own, you should do that. You should you should do that. You should you should go you should go and do the reconcilable differences program, and and you just do it, and then everybody will be happy. No, it's, this is that's, a bit. But, that's, but yeah, but yeah. like anyway, people got feedback. Oh no, but that's that's the thing. Like you know, uh, if you like the clowns, it wouldn't be the circus. <laughs> I was thinking about talking about getting angry about feedback. Yeah. Stephen King angrily tweeted that all oh, the clown people are mad at me again. He's like, look, everyone's afraid of clowns. Just the whole thing. Because of it? <laughs> this is what he has time to do in his life. Like, how many years after it? You know, 40 years after it or whatever, he is defending uh, he's defending himself from from the, the people who, uh, the, the pro-clown lobby that is apparently on his case on Twitter. So there's no escape. Like, this is it. Mm. Mm. Some people just can't be made happy, John. We're we're running pretty short on time here. We're what do we? we... I, I know we don't have a time for any of these big topics. Anyway, like I said, I didn't I didn't sort them. The top ones talk about being a trap. Like I I know you put this in there, but like yeah, housework and house duties. Like why why would we do that to ourselves? Like this is this is a trap of our own making. We are it's like let's find ways to get yelled at by our respective wives. This like, is might oh, be the this title is because your lady listens to this sometimes. Yes, I have this danger. I'm, I'll, I guess I will like package up this episode if we ever talk about this and send it to your wife in a way that she's tricked, uh, no, tricked into that's listening actually to it. Not a, that's not a thing that could happen. I see what you're saying. I'll, you're send, saying, I'll send it in a blood bag. This is a... <laughs> oh, John. John, John, I have I have an update on that. Um, I have a very important update to send you on that. Um, no, so what you're saying is we're like, uh, what? We're like Sicilian mobsters. Like, we basically, we have to each know we've killed a guy, so we can't get, get it on each other. Is that kind of the uh, idea? I'm just saying, like, there... I don't know. I, you've got the you've got the Akbar graphic. I feel like I should just copy it up there. That like this is literally a trap, and but we're it's a trap for both of us. You what? are setting it for me, and I'm setting it for you. What? And together we will talk about this topic. And no no good can come of it. Not factual. Well, why, why totally not factual. Well, anyway, I I'm still willing to entertain it, but probably don't have time today. And then liking things a certain way, I probably would have rotated that up above. We'll get uh, it for I don't think we have, uh, the classic episode fifty one. That's when the show always gets good. That's that's when you can go into syndication when you get fifty one episodes. Yeah. So, but anyway, I don't think we have time for either of those today. I don't think so we, we do. should. We should pull. We should pull from some minis, or or just be done, depending on what do you think. My laptop is a really short thing. It's um, it's working out totally great for the absolutely ridiculously minimal number of things I use it for. But if I had to use it for anything, to do anything, it would be the worst. So, what aspects of it do you feel are inadequate? You've got the the MacBook One slash MacBook Adorable, the very very skinny. Yeah. Very, very small Apple laptop. The smallest, thinnest, mm-hmm. lightest one they make with just Great. one little port on the side. One, It's got the one port. It's the first kind of that port that I've ever had in the house. Uh, it charges really fast. Long battery life. Screen's great. 
super light. You can walk around with it between two fingers. Uh, it's really, it's great. And I, I mostly use it for if I'm at home and I want to do a computer, a slightly computery thing. I use it a lot, believe it or not, to run screens to get to my big computer, which is actually nicer than doing it on an iPad. You know what I mean? Like if I have to go do a remote thing. I use it for uh, writing. I use it for reading. I've installed almost nothing on it. It's basically got Dropbox. It doesn't even have text expander, believe it or not. I, uh, it's got Dropbox. But, but I even did, did I tell you this? Like I, I didn't realize that when you first do a new Dropbox, a Dropbox on a new device, you can start with Selective Sync. I'd never done that before. Did you know that? You must know that you've had devices. Yeah, no, I totally do that. I always have Selective Sync on. I from from the, from the beginning. Have you? Well, I I use that thing on all my machines in one way or another. I just didn't know that you could start when you start from scratch. So I basically turned on three directories, three folders, and that was mm-hmm. that was terrific. So I've got NV Alt uh, unlocks with the ooh ooh ooh. How, how you like that new uh, the new um, haptic for uh, unlocking the Mac? Isn't it satisfying for unlocking? I, with your I watch, I don't think I've encountered this. With your watch? Oh no, I don't. I have. I have not. I don't wear my watch anymore, so I have never oh, used. Okay, it to never mind. Computer. It's really satisfying. It's the unlocking noise, and it makes it so. It's really nice. Instead of just being mm-hmm. the thing that sounds like a text message. I should try that because actually I could use it with my wife's computer. I should. I should get that set up just to, just to check it out. It, it works more often than you'd expect, and it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty good. That's. It's, I think that's Apple's slogan. <laughs> They're don't, switching don't. from it just works to it works more often than you'd expect. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna copy. I'm gonna copy the act bar. I'm gonna paste it again. So now there's two in there. There's two act bars. I'm not going into that trap. But boy, you guys hate Max. You're just you're 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 so unhappy. Everyone's oh, wait, so no, unhappy. You didn't, you didn't answer my question, which was like, uh, what in what aspect does this very small, very low powered? In what aspect is it is it insufficient? Because I'm sure sure there's one, but you right. said like if I had to do anything well, else mean, on it beyond the, what I'm doing. The most doing. basic one, it's a little bit of a cheat for me to say that because the truth is there's so many things I have not even attempted. Uh, the keyboard, the whole like where you put your hands and do stuff area is comically small. I've had it for well over a month now and I still am not anywhere near used to the half size up down arrows. That's the kind of thing where I hear Marker talk about that or you talk about and I'm like, oh, I just roll my eyes. And I'll mm. tell you, it's making me, I don't even, I don't even realize how much I do the key commands with option shift command. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's, mm-hmm. it's just in my bones. I mean, I, and I'm forever going the wrong way. That's, ugh, that's the worst, but they're full size. There is not the problem that they're not half size that you can't feel for where they are. They, I don't have it in front of me, but it's no, it's, there's basically the equivalent of three key widths across full size, left, full size, right, half size up and down. Oh yes. Yes. Now I know what you're talking about, but yeah, but I think, isn't the problem that the left and right are now full size. So you can't feel for where the half size up and down are. I don't, that's the first one like this I've ever had. So I, I, I don't have anything to compare it to, but, but it's, I don't have surpassingly large hands, but like, mm-hmm. it's still, it's really, I don't even mind the key travel and all the stuff you guys. You had an air, right? Mm-hmm. At one point. Yeah. So the air has the same up and downs, but the left and right are half height. I don't remember ever even noticing those being a problem ever, ever. Right. So that's because you could feel for where they were. Oh, I see you what you're saying. Re- bring your hand over there and you would you would know where the up and down are and the left and right are because it's a distinct feel where now it is harder to feel because the left and right are full height and the middle one, you have to feel for like the crease or something. Right, right. So uh, things I haven't even tried. It's just, you know, it's... Um, what do I, I mean, the thing is, I, I do like it. I, I love how like modern and tiny it is. I, I love the battery life. Oh, so I have this new project, which is like, I'm going to try and really ring out as much batteries. Are you a fruit juice man? You're a fruit juice man, right? 
Mm, I don't know what that means, but I'm going to say no. Okay, <laughs> that's <laughs> you did the right thing. Uh, Fruit Juice is a battery monitoring and maintenance app that... Um, I thought you meant literal fruit juice. Yeah. That's what I meant, John. I meant literal fruit I, juice. I don't. You you have the soda stream. It's not. I'm making connections sure. here. I'm going. Uh-huh. Maybe he got a juicer. Okay. All right. You're so good. It's so good at some things. And the <laughs> uh, and so fruit juice monitors the health of your battery. It does basic yep. things like it says. Okay, here's how many. This has an estimated one thousand charges on it. Here's how. Here's how the quality of the battery at this point. Here it has this percentage of the number it should have, and then if it gets what it thinks is something slightly goofy and non-optimal, you do a full, you take it all the way down, bring it all the way up. But I've been doing that all the time. Ever since I've gotten this, I've charged this like a total of nine times because I run it like all the way, all the way, all the way down, then run it all the way, all the way back up. And I'm trying to, and then eventually I'll get to where I'm just trying to, and then fruit juice, I'll just follow the fruit juice advice after. <laughs> what an odd thing to say. I'll just follow the fruit juice advice but, after this that. app sounds a little bit like a scam. Isn't there some other fruit-based sure. battery thing? What's sure. the other one? It's not battery banana, but it's something like that. <laughs> What is it I called? No. <laughs> yeah, there's some other battery fruit uh fr- <laughs> fruit named battery. I don't thing. know. I do know that when I ran it on my 2010 MacBook Air, it was basically it was like a an elderly heavy man trying to get up steps. It was just like how are you even? Like this thing is so dead and I've gotten the message for, you know, a couple years now that I need to get the battery serviced. That was bad. Yeah. I got I was getting basically 2 hours out of that. This is kind of like the the oil life thing on your car, which is mostly giving you a reasonable signal about when you should do something to your car, but is also very much a, a, an approximation. The, the accuracy of the display does not re- isn't reflect it just, reality. Isn't it one of those isn't it one of those what's the word? Like it just oh around like 9890 miles it'll just go on. Right? Isn't it one of those kinds of things? Uh, depending on how fancy the car is, there could be multiple inputs into the system, not just mileage. Well, there's funny stuff, though. Like, the, the, the very month that the lease on my wife's car is up, we suddenly get this tire pressure thing. That, that's how they get you. <laughs> we go and we fill the tires and we even we got a special dingus that lights up and it's we got a very high tech dingus for checking the tires and mm-hmm. we'll do it and then it goes, it'll just start going off. And, you know, the automatic doesn't do anything to tell you what, what that business is, I don't think. Yeah. But um, so it's the thing is, it is this would be a really good like writing my thesis computer in the sense that like it really is. It's it's funny because I don't even actually take it around much. I mostly just use it around the house. But, you know, I, I have to tell you, I think this would off the top of my head, it would be competitive with an iPad Pro in terms of weight. Like, I'm not sure I could even tell you these things in my bag. It is so light. And it is really great. It's really great to have that beautiful screen and be able to do that stuff. And have you, know. you watched Netflix on it at all? Is that a thing you do? Do you watch Netflix on laptops or no? No, no, I haven't. I haven't because the speakers suck. Uh, my iPad, my nine inch headphones. I don't know how you do Netflix. A lot of people watch it obviously on your TV, but some people also do it on their iPads. So like, okay, but just in my like dumb, like I split my time, you know, between home and work. I guess like a lot of people. But if I'm like just kind of wandering around the house. Um, I will frequently just be listening to the iPad Pro because it sounds like surprisingly good. I also bought, don't tell Marco, I bought the Plantronics Bluetooth headphones he recommended. They're great. That is that is nice for walking around. It's got the noise canceling and whatnot. No, but it's just that like even for listening to Overcast, the quality of sound from those little speakers, they're really, really bad. It's it's I think my iPhone might sound my iPhone 7 Plus might sound better than that Mac. Yeah, I mostly imagine it being used with headphones because I I watch I often watch a video YouTube or 
TV shows like Top Gear or something, you know, don't want to go back downstairs and watch it on the big TV or just watch it in my bed yeah, before yeah. drifting off sleep with headphones. And in that environment, sometimes a laptop, not that I have one, might be easier instead of worrying about, you know, the uh, probably a name for it, but I'm going to call it the like the uh, the iOS head bonk. You oh, know no, what I mean? Alex, Alex does that every night. She falls. She has trouble sleeping and she basically drops her iPad on her face every night. Right. And like back in the day, they were surprisingly heavy, but they can give you a good whack. Even I'm not falling asleep. It's just that you're watching and you're engrossed in it. And you don't realize it's resting on your chest or whatever as you're yeah. kind of slouched over your bed. And it's slowly. Most people slowly, don't realize they're falling asleep until they wake up in the morning. And then it goes whack. Bonk. Uh, yeah. But no, I'm not. I'm I'm 100 percent not falling asleep when it happens. It's just that I'm not noticing that it is slowly tilting forward. So in that situation, a light laptop with a good screen because it can stay upright. And that's that's why my stipler, as you say, mm-hmm. is it. Uh, prefers to use <laughs> our 13-inch... Is that what you call inch... the female, your female progeny, your stipler? That's what you, what you call her. <laughs> you that. call her that. Um, That's what you call <laughs> Your words. Prefers to use the I, uh, the uh, the MacBook Air, 13-inch right. MacBook Air, 2011 13-inch MacBook Air. Prefers to use that with that awful screen, that awful non-retina TN display Ugh. with terrible color reproduction, terrible black levels, terrible viewing angles. She watches her YouTube on that instead of using her iPad Air, which is retina and has a way better screen. Because it holds the L shape and she can rest it places and, you know, I mean, she has the smart cover for her iPad. She could prop it up, but it's just not, it's just not as stable in the the kind of environment she finds herself, which is her incredibly messy room and her rumpled covers and couches and stuff like that. Um, And speaking of that, she, she has managed after several years of essentially owning this, this uh, MacBook Air from 2011. It used to be my wife's computer before she got her 5k iMac. She has done something to it. I'm going to say she bent it, but it could also be that she got some kind of food stuff in the hinge mm-hmm. such that when you try to close it, one side closes like you expect, but the other side pops up a little bit. Oh, that would be so troubling to me. I don't, I don't like it's things like that. It's pretty troubling. I, I got to tell you. I it's like, pretty, I like I mean, symmetry in something like that. Yes. And you know how nicely Apple's laptop closed. Like take your little, take your little MacBook adorable I took your advice. I took it. your advice and I finally started when you mentioned this on your other program. I used to be the guy who would hold down the bottom of the adorable while using your thumb to lift it up. Yeah, no, Johnny, I've made it special, so you don't it's have to do just, it. It's just, see, it's just, it could be a little bit better, but it is, because it, it does lift a little bit, and that kind of does drive me crazy. No, but I, I want symmetry in those things. That's important. Yeah, no, and they do have to close. Well, and by the way, for the lifting thing, for people who don't understand, like when you have a, a laptop that's very small and very light, people feel like they need to open it with two hands one hand to hold the part where the keyboard against the table and the other hand to lift the screen up and apple takes great pains in all their media and and, uh, and the manufacturing processes to make it so that you can take a single finger merely put it under the screen of the closed laptop and lift upward and instead of the entire laptop just lifting off the table the part where the keyboard will stay on the table and the part where the screen will move up now that said mm. if you continue to lift with your finger you will eventually pull the keyboard off the table. Just, you know, it's just a question of how high you get. You have to accommodate it. I mean, if you if I open it the way I'd like to open it, like the way I would open like my beloved MacBooks Pro in the past, it would go flying out the window. Right, because, I mean, even even with the MacBook Pros, obviously, if you go all the way open and you hit the end of the hinge travel, the keyboard will come up. But with lighter ones, like the, the only reason that they're talking about this and the context this this hinge adjustment is in is don't try to wedge your fingers underneath. One yeah. finger will create enough separation for you to eventually put your entire hand 
on the keyboard part of it to keep it from tipping over when you open it up all. So you still have to use tool hands to get it open all the way unless you do it super carefully. But the idea is don't feel well, like you have you to get like a... Especially if you don't want to touch your bezel and get, uh, get your fingerprints all over it. Yeah, but don't feel like you have to take like a spudger or whatever from iFixit to wedge it in there and to pry the thing <laughs> spudger? open. Spudger? Yeah, that's what they call the little Is that from plastic. Quidditch? No, it's uh, it's like the... You never see it on iFixit? It's like a little plastic tool that comes to a flat end, like a flat flathead screwdriver oh, for I like see. prying open... Okay. Firing up devices. Anyway, that's why they make the hinge like this. So you can so you can create a separation of an inch or two mm-hmm. to comfortably be able to open it. Not the idea that like the keyboard is magnetically sealed to the table and you can open the whole thing with one finger. And you're right that on back in the old days when the base was humongous and heavy and filled with, you know, giant heavy batteries, you could open the thing all the way. But with the with the MacBook Adorable, there's there's just no no matter how loose they made that hinge, there's just no way they could do that. But anyway, yes, it is very upsetting when they don't close. So now I have this kind of flappy-lipped, half-mouth-open, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone-looking MacBook Air <laughs> thing going on. And it is, I mean, in some ways, I feel like this is a good service light for a laptop. Like, we get a lot of mileage out of this thing. She really loves it. She uses it like crazy. I, I don't begrudge my children breaking my expensive toys because, like, once I hand it off to them, it's like, well, what else is it for? Right. This sure, is sure, sure. for my kids to destroy, and they have destroyed it so success. Uh, but it is it is the an finger spoo. I mean, the finger spoo on the iPad Air too. Oh no, it's unbelievable. It's so that's unbelievable. her. That's her. That you see that picture there. Look at how how lanky my daughter is. That's her um, making uh, roller coasters for cats, and she's got a cat on her shirt, a little bit on the nose. So you know, it's uh, I like it. It's a nice device. It's I, I'm glad I don't really have to use it for anything serious. Uh, a friend of mine who I host another podcast with up and decided today that he or she just really needs to get a new computer. And so while he or she was skateboarding to the Apple store in Chicago, he or she asked, which one should I get? Is this Max? I'm trying to pin this down. Could, 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 could be. And his or her other podcast host said, hell if I know, I'm in the barrel with all of my friends because I bought this computer at the wrong time, according to them. And it's like, what? This is part of the thing. What did I say in text to them? Alex should know. She knows tech stuff. Yeah, she's in Ireland. But you know, oh, that's right. Uh, no, she's she's there. Uh, what did I say? I said uh, I bought a laptop. Everyone called me a dumbass. And here's what I said. I said I hate how confusing it is to like Apple things right now. I actually genuinely hate it. It's driving me nuts. I know this is you know who cares. There's this, ugh. but like I wish I could say to somebody, yeah, go buy this Mac MacBook Pro. Here's the decision: either get this screen. Or th- don't don't you feel like you could say that with the iPad Pro? I feel like that's one of the as I said on ATP. One I point. feel like the nine inch iPad Pro is. Second to maybe the SE30 as the greatest device I've ever owned. Yeah, like there's, there's even, even now where it's like due to be replaced. Even oh, no. now, this, I would this... say you buy that thing, you will. It, there is nothing wrong right. with it. There my is, my, you know, um, just... my wife has the big boy, and it's a comical. I feel like a little baby with Donald Trump hands holding that thing. It <laughs> seems so asinine to me. And the, the, you know, seriously, the iPad, the nine inch iPad Pro is, it's there's nothing like it. Nothing like it is still astonishingly fast, running screens on it, like doing whatever. It just takes everything you throw at it. And I bought the big boy. I bought the, well, the big capacity boy. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, when we're going somewhere, I just can just load it up with movies. It's, it so is. That's the, that's the uncomplicated one. And that, that stands in contrast to all the other ones where you have all these reservations caveats. You're right. I mean, there is still the costliness factor to it. But yes, you're right. You're right in that case. But one does not speak of this because it's a really fancy lad thing to say. But like, it would be so nice to be able to say to somebody, you know, I've got, I've got a little money to spend and I'm really, I'm really due. Which, what's the the best laptop that I should get? 
And you should be able to like ask them one or two questions and make them a recommendation that you would feel happy about. Sure. You, you, yeah, you'd ask a general question about budget. Like, do you want to spend a lot of money or a lot, a lot of money? How big, <laughs> how important is the screen size to you? Do you use a lot of, per- even, you know, already, I've already gone too far. You guys mentioned in the unreleased ATP about the speculation. Was this one of the dingling speculations? But you're talk- talking, you in particular, you were talking about the speculation about what the modular there would- thing. Uh, that, well, know that it would be, you don't even remember your own recordings. The one that there would be one that restores, as you said, the legacy ports. Oh yeah. And obviously they mentioned it in the transcript that like, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, it was a question from the and press they didn't, and, and they, they didn't flatly and they didn't say slam no. slam the door shut with prejudice <laughs> right. like they did about the touchscreen Mac. <laughs> the touchscreen Mac. We're not going to make that period. I, no. Just for what it's worth, I hate to agree with you because you know, I'm a super fan of yours and it's embarrassing. I think you're a hundred percent right. The, you said something a couple weeks ago that I'm still thinking about. You said the thing about like it's not in, it's not enough to catch up once with the Mac Pro and put it out. When you put out the Mac Pro that you're putting out now, you should be you should already be on the way to the Mac Pro that we're going to see a year from now. Well, it's like they do with the phones or well, any like other they product with, they update like, yearly. You know, in Cupertino, there's some George Jetson phones floating around that would just blow our minds right now. That are in- this this year's iPhone with like the edge edge screen or whatever that's been rumored for like three years. How long has that thing been in the works and just been missing? missing dates and be like well we can't do it this year so we're going to do a different right. phone like long timelines long overlapping <laughs> projects that you know it's right. done when it's done but you got to have so many things in flight so you can do the 6s and the 7 while you wait for whatever the heck the 8 is to but be it done would, it would be to just either paraphrase or repeat what you said i mean it's it boy it might it might be kind of surprising as quickly as a year from now how much you maybe wish you had been working on a touchscreen something else like maybe, like you said, do you really believe your own press release on this? Because maybe you don't want to be that cavalier. Who says they're not? Like they've tried all these things. Who says they're not? But like, I mean, I, I think yeah. the, the more salient point that I remember trying to make from that section and perhaps not doing that well is what they what they said to the people was like, we talk to people and they're not interested in touchscreen Max. Like, well, right. You know, yeah, that's I really hope that's not I really hope that's not a thing that you sell yourself internally because that's like fa- you're going to get a faster horse problem. Yeah. So anyways, I'm glad you talked me out of buying the very costly one that I didn't really need. I like this one, but you know, again, it, this is the flip side of the thing I'm always saying, you know, when I, when I, you know how, like when you get going, you start talking fast and your voice gets high. That's me when I feel the need to reject people who talk about how everything is in great shape with Apple, you know, whether it's Apple TV, Apple TV remote, <laughs> Apple TV relationship, but whatever it is, I'll They're find myself- that's your problem, right? I, I have Put a, a little, rubber band on it. Well, Jeez. I finally I finally bought a case. I have a case on my remote. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. That's and it doesn't even fit. It's it's like a it's like a large man's condom. It's it's awful. And so I find myself saying, "Here's the thing." And then my voice gets high, and I talk fast, and I say, "The thing is, if you have not found problems with these things, it's because you're not using them as much as I am." Because believe me, the problems are there. And now the funny part is with this with the adorable. I get the flip side, which is. Yeah, you know, I'm not really having many problems because I'm not using it for much, which is maybe the second worst kind of damning with faint praise. But uh, it's 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 fine. I like it, and it was cheap. I'm glad I didn't spend a lot on it. But it's it's nice. Yeah, I've been I've been wanting my parents to get that one. They've seen it in the store, and I've pitched them on it many times because I don't think they do much with it, and I feel like the form factor itself is such a benefit. You could put it in the knitting basket or next to the TV guide. You could stick it in the couch. Like yeah, it's, but I'm I'm, yeah. St- I'm still trying to get my mother to stop using a laptop with an optical drive because she gets discs from Netflix and watches them on her laptop. She's like, "How am I going to do that if there's no place for me to put the disc into my laptop?" And it's like, "Well, what can you say to that?" You can't. Like, that's mom. That's the wrong question. Like that's. I mean, it, it's it's yeah. Anyway, I'm 
that's the thing I like the best about this is the, the, the tiny, tiny form factor. Yeah. To have just a thing laying around that you can open up and type on with a reasonable keyboard that has a reasonably nice screen that you can get things done on. I think it's, it's copyright you know. David Code 2001. Mm hmm. Oh, and then by the way, looking at this, look at this, getting back to this picture of your daughter here. Yeah. Maybe I'm seeing where the, uh, where the three mattresses come from because what do I see in the background of this picture? Uh oh god! Why do you look at the background of pictures? Everybody's all anyone looks at. Let's 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 get this oh, right I out. Hate when the anyone pe- I posts hate any picture on any social network, Instagram, yeah. Twitter, or whatever, all anyone looks at is the background. Let's not kid ourselves. Oh, it's so horrible. I well, I on principle, I will not do that. You see a Sony clock radio. You see my uh, no the the bed the bed that oh. she's leaning on. That's yeah. a two mattress bed. There you have you have constructed a bed out of yeah. another bed. You put a hat on a hat. You put, put a bed on a bed. <laughs> We did. We got rid of our frame because it was starting to like peel and get no, weird. I, yeah, no, that happens. And then I see what you've constructed here. You got you got a double decker going, and your yeah. daughter has a triple. She's got a triple. She got a triple. Yeah. So that's where she gets it from. She's like, well, this is apparently a thing you do. You just take you take two beds and you put them on top of each other. You learned it from you, Dad. It's it's mo- me <laughs> she modeling watching you modeling the bad behavior. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad behavior. Although, is that thing on the bottom literally another mattress? Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. It's our old foam mattress. It was an old kind of non-hybrid mattress. And is the is the, is a new kind of hybrid mattress on top? You you know it. <laughs> King right. size, so, bitch. So, I feel like that that actually is... I'm not going to say it's the, it's it's the wrong way to make a bed. Oh, but come like, on! I, oh, why do I include you in my life? It's Tuesday. I could be home eating chicken with my family. <sighs> I feel like you, I feel like you can morph that with where your children play with their toys. I'm looking for the bridge. I don't know. I don't know. We, we can evolve it, but okay. but no, but like you know, so you need the mm. mattress, which is the squishy part, uh, and that's why they have like the BS thing, the box spring, you know, which is mostly a, mostly a BS thing, right? But I feel like either way, you need something below the mattress that is not as squishy as the mattress. Otherwise, I know, I know, I could do with less squishy. It's sort of like yeah, it's crazy. I mean, like uh, do you, you, you watch Veep? Yes, you should watch Veep. I Remember do. I watch when, it. When Selena, I just started jumping back into an older season in anticipation. I love that show so much. When when <laughs> when she gets the crate, mm-hmm. <laughs> so she can stand on the crate and the, she's perceived by by voters as not being very down to earth. So they get her a crate, but it turns out that, <laughs> that it was incredibly expensive and is mm-hmm. is um, what is it? It's it's fortified with steel or adamantium or something <laughs> for for a substantial weight. Yes, right. And she, you don't want to put your foot through it. Oh my god! That, what a great show! Oh, there is something to be said for that show. I feel like when it comes back, because I'm all caught up. When it comes back for the next season, yeah, the show perhaps being less funny in light of current events. Uh, yeah, yeah, or perhaps being more funny. I suppose depending on how dark my mood is. I've recently uh, rediscovered Studio 360 and really been enjoying it. There's so many Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Yep, that's the one with uh, with that guy with Chandler. I think his name is No Studio 360. Kurt Anderson. The guy I don't, who, know what, I don't know what Studio 360 is. Okay, Kurt Anderson is a guy who co-founded Sky Magazine. He's the one who first called Donald Trump a short-fingered vulgarian. Mm-hmm, and now right. he has a show on the public radio called Studio 360. And it's just a great interview show. And oh, all right, all right. for the podcast, radio, they too. organize it uh, kind of thematically. Uh, why am I telling you this? Because was it on? No, it wasn't on there. I take it back. Anyway, that's a really good show. It was on Marketplace. Damn. No, it was on Marketplace. It was on, uh, it was on POD Save America. They interviewed the showrunner from Veep. I can't believe I listened to that show with the way they abused the language and, and hurt did my she, Did she name drop me? Who's that? Showrunner for Veep? Uh, no, it's a dude. Oh, I just assume all showrunners will uh, will name drop me now after it happened from The Expanse person. Speaking of, of the Star Eppers. The Expanse person. Okay. Yeah, did you watch The Expanse? 
I watched I watched the first couple. It seemed really good. <laughs> I know, no, I remember it had a it had a girl in a it, spaceship, and it yeah, seemed very yeah, yeah, ambitious. Yeah. Anyway, expensive very popular. <laughs> I can't believe show. how many things that works for. I finally, I finally, I finally get to have a a Merlin slash John Roderick story finally oh for god. once in my whole life. Oh my god! Um, oh my god! Uh, it's it's exciting. <sighs> Who gets to have one of these stories? Um, oh my god! I don't know why you like because you're more... you act like this is the thing that I do. It's not a thing I do. No, it's, it's the thing, thing that John does. No, let's, let's it's the thing John does. Is you project? <laughs> you project these things onto me. I just happen to be a person that just shows up places. I know. I I'm, I'm not faulting you for it. I'm about to do it. Bit? I'm do about to do it. Let on? me do it. You got the antlers on. Let me do it. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do the same thing. Because who who doesn't want to do it? I just you know okay. so All rarely right. get the chance. I'm gonna take it. Um, the Expanse. There was the Expanse has a showrunner, and this person was on a podcast. It was on an Ars Technica podcast. Oh, I about, totally heard about this. Congratulations! I did tell the story. Talking about the Expanse to this person, and this person <laughs> takes the time out to say, "Oh, and by the way." I'm a big fan of Ars Technica. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Uh, I used to love reading those articles by John Syracuse. <laughs> and my immediate thought, again, being totally into uh, John Roderick, I don't need a ticket. I can just walk in territory thinking this, this was before the new season started thinking immediately. Does this mean I get screeners? Answer, no, does not mean you get screeners. Oh, come on, really? Just stick I, with, I, stick I with it. You know, you pop your cherry on this one. Keep going. I think I think you could become insufferable in a new way. I couldn't bring myself to ask. Oh, Jiminy Pete. A super fan. I don't have the Roderick thing, which is just, I, we can just show up. You can get the Roderick thing. A super fan purchased the domain words sound like each other.com, configuring it to redirect to the Flophouse's block. Did you write this? Yes. Why'd you put two, peri- two spaces after the period? It's probably spaces? been edited, but I am a two space after period person, so that fits. What? Yep. Wow. Deal with it. Typewriters, baby. Mm, I'm snapping three times in a triangle. Like the literal typewriter, it was kept in the floor of my mother's closet. That's where she kept it because she mm. didn't need it anymore. We still mm. had it and I would take it out and mm. I would type on it and mm. I would put two spaces after periods and I still do. I did too. I did too. And then I learned how to use a computer. Uh, I, I think when you're using a computer, yes. even when you're using a computer, okay. two spaces still looks better. Why don't you just do two tabs? Use VI or Emacs? Emacs, but uh, that's not here nor there. Um, <laughs> you didn't get my joke at all. Wasn't that kind of a funny joke? I, you were going for a VI Emacs did, thing. Did, did and I, I think just put? Tabs, a, did I put an e hat on an e hat? Is that what the, I did? Uh, the tab thing. I guess what you were going for. Yeah, was, tabs and spaces, a, it's too right? Much, it's yeah. It's a, it's a it's a stretch. It's a stretch. I thought you were going for a two spaces is way too much. So mm-hmm. why not just use a tab at that point if you're willing to put this massive expanse of white space yes. through your periods? Said superfan has subsequently let this domain expire, partially in protest of the fact that the original peaches would never accurately recall or convey the actual <laughs> the actual joke that the domain name embodied. Much like this very wiki page. Oh, slow claps for John Syracuse. That is good. You are the fifth person to read that wiki page. Congratulations. No, I've been here at least three times. Yeah. <laughs> I was the, that was the thing that for the longest time I refused to say to anybody because I didn't want to I didn't want to take away I think like, I feel like Mike should bleep that or whoever's editing a gym these days. I didn't want to take away that moment from anybody by even uttering the phrase because I never knew where people were in the sequence because they were jumping around. Okay, I wanted well, we'll everyone him, to experience it for the we'll first time. To I feel it. like that is the funniest thing. The thing that I laughed the most at on that entire seven, ten year run of that show really? is that, that phrase. I, for, I, I, I mean, the, it's stupid. The They've said joke, so many stupid things. The joke about a Belgian cartoon and a Tennessee Williams play 
was, but here's the thing, and I know you know this, right? It's like, it was, we each got the itch that there was a second better joke here at the same time. Mm-hmm. I could feel mm-hmm. Elliot, I got the itch the exact second he did, and it went through my head at the exact moment that I think Dan said it. I left so, and so much like, it's there, it's right there on the table, just take it, it's perfect, take it. Yeah, well, you have to, here's the thing you have to keep in mind. I love that tan tan. <laughs> The longer that the, each episode goes on, the more most of them have had to drink. Yeah, true. So they, it does slow their reflexes just enough for sometimes you to catch them. I, I think I tweeted about a recent one where they went by one and I was like, oh, they're not going to say it. And then Dan pulled it out at the last second. Oh, like, that's that, satisfying. That, like, that he was, you know, that they were both a little bit slow, a little bit, uh, you know, woozy from the beers and mm-hmm. the, the Popeye's chicken or whatever. And it came by. And my brain's set waiting for the punch, and Elliot doesn't grab it, and then Dan comes clawing back like a you know a monster at the end of a horror movie who you think is dead, and just snatches it. I'm like, <laughs> yes. I don't even remember what the joke was. I just remember that excited like feeling. I, yeah, I feel like I remember that too. Oh my goodness, that's a, that's a mini topic too, but we don't have time. Nope. We can, we can go into more detail. Happy fiftieth anniversary. Sure. Gold, gold anniversary. What what, what material is fifty? Mm, uh, is, it, is it wood for the barrel? <laughs> Nothing. Not even the wood barrel. for the not even the wood for the barrel, which I would appreciate. You <laughs> <laughs> no one, not even the wood, had such small barrels. Good night, everybody. <laughs>